0: Some night, huh? On this very night, ten years ago, along the same stretch of road, in a dense fog, just like this, I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was this sound, like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. When they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. That was the worst accident I ever seen. I get off right up here. Have a nice day. (laughs) Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent ya.
1: Like, uh, who is it? Paris Hilton has duck feet. There was that, uh, we had the photograph of her on the, uh, like on the runway or whatever it was, when she was modeling something a few years ago. And she has feet like swamp thing. It's like a bunch of, uh, like a bunch of sort of, uh, like leafy uh, tree feet coming down onto the stage. All right. Uh, fantastic. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy today for you to join this, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emanating from here, the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Southern State Radio uh, at uh, this, the third minute and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of December, in the year of our Lord, 2007. All right, hello. It's uh, Thursday. We're all back. We're here. Uh, We have all returned from vacation uh, or our sick beds. It's 503-733-2970 on uh, Thursday the 27th. Uh, the Thursday after Christmas. So, hello and howdy and whatnot. Oh, let me adjust my microphone. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 to weigh in with your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your conventions, your uh, whatever. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your uh, observations about, you know, whatever it is you wish uh, to observe upon. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right, there you go. So, no, we were talking about Pee-Wee's Big Adventure just now. Uh, so, Pee-Wee's Big Adventure, directed by Tim Burton, produced by whoever... I forget who produced it. Uh, But written uh, by Pee Wee uh, Herman himself and Phil Hartman, which is a thing that's sort of a fact that's been lost to history, uh, that Phil Hartman co-wrote that movie. Uh, All right, it's 503-733-2970. Why, hello and howdy. Hope everything is uh, fine where you are. Hope your holiday was safe and satisfying and all of that. Uh, So I was gone uh, yesterday. I, I had planned on being back yesterday. Sarah was actually gone regardless, but Tim was in and I had planned on being in. But I got up yesterday morning, as uh, Chris Christopherson once said, uh, with no way to hold my head that didn't hurt. I got, I got up out of bed, and uh, there's that thing where as soon as my feet hit the floor, immediately I felt like I was going to hurl. And so I kind of wandered into the, to the office at my house, and I sat down in the chair, and I was just sitting there going, All right, got to get up and get to work. Come on, let's go. Let's, let's get up out of the chair and get dressed. You can do it. Stand up. And I looked up at the clock and realized that about 20 minutes had gone by with me just sitting there in front of my computer at home, unable to stand.
2: Yeah, you're sick then.
1: Yeah, and I just finally I was just like, fine, yeah
2: I was so excited because I hate missing the show and... Um... I was talking to my friend Squid on the way, in, and I'm like, how does the show sound? Without me. <laughs> I know, and he's like, it's best of. So I, yeah. I was able to listen to it for like an hour and a half.
1: Yeah, I I just, and I just, I finally, I called the front desk, and then I called Susan Reynolds. And I'm like, I'm not going to be in. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't deserve to live. Oh, I have failed you all. And then I just went back to bed, and I slept till 1 o'clock. And it was fantastic. Good for you. No, really. Um, Sometimes, there's two different modes when you're sick. Sometimes when you're sick, you can't sleep at all. Sometimes when you're sick, you just you toss and you turn and you're, whatever. You got a fever or you're, you, you know, you sort of, you know, the, the the covers all feel all chafy and binding. And but sometimes when you're when you're sick, man, you just sleep the sleep of the dead. And that's what it was with me yesterday. So I went back to sleep at around eight thirty yesterday morning, and I didn't wake up until after one o'clock in the afternoon. And even then, it's because my wife came in and she's like, "Hey, it's, it's like one So I finally got up and wandered out to the living room, and I just uh, sat there on the couch until about 4 p.m. watching my wife play video games. That was my entire day yesterday. I slept till 1.
2: Your wife plays video games?
1: Yes, she does. We'll talk more about that here in a moment. Uh, More about why she is, in fact, the best wife ever. Uh, So I got up at 1.30, watched my wife play video games until about 4, uh, and then I had an optometrist appointment. Uh, Today is one of those days when words that I'm saying correctly don't sound correct. Like I just said, Uh optometrist. Are you
2: guessing yourself?
1: It's not that. It's just that, like, I think I'm still, my brain is still, I mean, I'm not sick. I'm over. It was a one-day thing. But I think that um, my brain is a little disjointed because optometrist doesn't sound right. I know. It's like when you write a word somehow and you know you've spelled it correctly, but you're looking at it on the page going, that doesn't look right. It's kind of how things are in my head that I, you went to see the eye guy. I went to see the eye guy. Yes, I did, Tim. Uh, So about which I have many, many observations. It's not that today's show is going to be disjointed. It's not that everything is sort of broken down into its component parts. My matrix has been created. It's just that we've been off for Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We've been off for five days. I can't remember the last time. Well, I guess it was maybe when I went to London. But you know, I mean, and it sounds
2: silly, just like how that, um, like Ebony's are barely newer. How it's so, I feel so rested. I do feel so rested. I yeah. slept like nine hours a night.
1: Uh, it's kind of crazy. It feels yeah, so. crazy.
2: I even slept like nine hours last night, and I'm back yeah. in town.
1: And it's just, it's weird. Taking time off is really weird because I sit at home and I get all jittery and I don't know what to do. Uh, but I, you know, I do always feel better when I come back. So okay. anyway, so here we are. Um, also, once I slept for eleven months. <laughs> <laughs> like Rip Van R- Riley <laughs> Waking up in a cave with a long beard. And a copy of R&R in your other hand. <laughs> a copy of All Access. Yes. Position sought. <laughs> uh, I'm a pro on the loose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's depressing. All right. uh, Well, in any event, so we'll get to all of our notes from the uh, last couple of days. Everybody was out of town or doing their various holiday things, so we'll talk about that. Uh, Here's what's coming up today. Lisa Desjardins will join us today because we're only a week out from Iowa. Uh, Iowa is happening uh, in a week, so we will talk to Lisa about that. Today's top five coming up. It's sort of a leftover generic top five from a couple weeks ago. We'll get to that today. Glorious Bastard of the Week. Don't forget, we're coming up on the Glorious Bastard of the Year as well. We'll announce that Monday, New Year's Eve the Glorious Pastor of the Year, uh, who will win Jesus' whole pile is a bunch of Led Zeppelin crap and, uh, and some DVDs I saw Borat in there, Kissology Volume 3, uh, some handmade furniture from PDX uh, So if you are not a Glorious Pastor, still time to do it. Go to 970.am. You can sign up uh, right now. Uh, what else? Darwin Watch coming up today. Uh, we'll sort of finish up some of our uh, holiday coverage. We have a joy of Christmas uh, today. Uh, we will start to go through this pile of news that has accumulated throughout the years. We head towards 2008, uh, and we will be giving away a copy of Kissology Volume 3 today. <clears throat> a copy of Kissology Volume 3. That is uh, today. So there you go. And a whole bunch of uh, whatnots and other things and so forth. Hey, hey. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today.
3: Uh Political assassination. Uh, oh, <laughs>
1: it's going to be. Sarah, can you sweeten my microphone ever so slightly? Thank
2: you so much. you just not loud enough.
1: no I think it's. There's no need for sass. I think that Dennis was the last one to use this microphone, and Dennis. No, no, not yours. Mine.
2: No, I mean not yours. I was just thinking I, that was. The You're immediately scrubbing
1: your microphone. No,
2: not for Dennis, because that was the one thing I uh-huh. hadn't cleaned. Because I know Kristen's oh, sick.
1: Too late now. Oh no. No, Dennis was the last one to use this microphone, and I know that they have to, uh, as they say, they have to modulate him down ever so slightly because he's uh, got, got so yes, much presence. I've yes. put him lower than
2: anybody. Him and Scott Daly.
1: Yeah, do they just scream into the microphone? I'm sorry, Tim Riley's working on the following. Uh, political assassination in Pakistan has
3: people on the edge. An Oregon City woman is charged with drunk driving seven times over the legal limit. It's very disappointing the snow didn't arrive as promised. But slick conditions have closed down Northwest Germantown Road between Skyline Boulevard and Bridge Road near the St. John's Bridge. Rosie O'Donnell is voted the most annoying celebrity of 2007. Paris Hilton comes in second. Paris will only inherit $5 million instead <laughs> of $100 million. Owned. No texting while driving goes into effect New Year's Day in Washington State. And one of the victims of the San Diego tiger attack may have teased the savage beast and got what he
1: deserved, paid the price. Uh, oh, so and, and also uh, Brittany Watch, Do you have any of the various Jamie Lynn Spears stories that happened over the weekend, Tim? I don't think so. Do you even know the story that Do you know the story that I'm referring to? You know what? I can honestly say I did not go to TMZ once in the past five days. Really? Not once. That's impressive. Huh? I I went. to TMZ. Like giving up something for lint. <laughs> That's what we should try to do for Lent, try to give up gossip. Um, the uh, Not going to happen. Uh, the uh, uh, So we have some fantastic... Well, Sarah will print it out for you here, because I know that she's probably got it up on her screen right now. There's fantastic Spears family news. Oh, it's oh, so wonderful. It made me giddy when I read it. Do you know what it is? No. Now uh, he avoided gossip all weekend. All He's weekend. a better person than we are. It's the I avoided
2: it. I had a friend... <laughs> I had a dear friend who knows me well enough to actually call me and tell me. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: I almost texted you the, the uh, Jamie Lynn Spears news last night, but I figured that everybody else already had. Uh, and So apparently not. All right. It's very exciting. We'll get to that later on. Yes. Tim honored the birth of our savior by not to, by trying to avoid Spears' family titillation. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Sarah Dillon joining us again today. How was Bremerton?
2: It was actually really nice. I had a good time. I was a little nervous because there's some like weird family. You know, a couple differences this year. And, uh, now, is
1: just the grandmother that nobody's seen for like yeah, 30 so years? Yeah,
2: my, so my grandmother that I spent, you know, my entire childhood growing up with, like she came, like she lived in Bremerton for the past few years, and she's been there, you know, for every holiday. Right. She passed away last Christmas. And then my grandfather, who is my father's father, uh, passed away last New Year's Eve. And so my grandmother's basically living down in Bend by herself. So she uh, came up for the entire time I was up there, basically. And she hasn't basically been out of the house for years, so she's not really, you know, not really good on the social scale but it was really interesting i haven't seen her in a long time is she a
1: black sheep of some kind if i can now, ask her
2: no her and my grandfather just kind of lived in this bungalow and been and never really left and they have their you know they have their dogs and stuff and they just didn't really they don't really like traveling so we never really them right. very much so yeah so now that he's gone she's um thinking about moving up to bremerton and she's going to be up there so we're going to be seeing her more but it was it was really cool cutting out with her and um my uncle and then my uncle and aunt and and it snowed three inches in Bremerton. It
1: snowed here on Christmas Day, but yes, it, didn't it, did. it didn't stick. It didn't stick. It snowed and then it was gone. It wasn't cold enough uh, to stay. It was, and then it rained and it, everything kind of went away. It was beautiful but, blowing snow all day long in the suburb. It was. It was. Re- See. Thanks. Thanks so much.
2: That's how it was in Bremerton. My parents live in the like suburb part of it, and there mm-hmm. were three inches of snow. Like it was packing snow, and Heather and I had a snowball fight.
1: <sighs> really? Did you get did you snow like right outside with your peacocks and your? Uh, that you was know. beautiful. It was the kind of snow I like the kind you don't have to shovel. Your Lexus in the driveway with a big red bow on top. All right, <laughs> Lexus fantastic. in the driveway. Oh, and Rick. And while you were in Bremerton, did you do the thing of going and drinking with your old high school friends who were all home for the holidays? It was
2: awesome. Yeah, we went to this old gazebo. Let's uh, go to the gazebo. mall. It was this old gazebo that's right near the waterfront, and we watched all the ferries go by. And we just, like, you know, BS, and because we don't see each other except for this right. one time of year. So we drink a 40 and a Sparks and then go out. Went to the trashiest <laughs> bar I've ever seen. <laughs> I drank so much Mickey's ice this past week. Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, All right. Yeah. Is it coming a big... Is that the
1: wide mouth? This is still, does Mickey still come in a huge wide mouth
2: no, bottle? No. No, it was just a regular forty. I don't oh, know if it's it updated. For Emerson, I was, have it.
1: When I was growing up, that was the thing about Mickey's. Is Mickey? It was called Mickey. It, 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 it was called Mickey Wide. Uh, that's what everybody called it, and it, because it had this huge, it was like a viso what bottle. It it had this,
2: is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, and it had
1: the huge ass wide mouth on it, so you could pound it theoretically. So you could pound it all like in one. They
2: sell this <laughs> at the, the Delta on uh, Woodstock for a dollar a piece. Really? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I right. so drank a bunch of those and yeah hung out with my friends, it was really fun, I it. it was a great time. And um, so I made an executive decision this year, I went to church with my parents, I can't do it anymore.
1: When Laura and I decided not to go, I we, we had talked so much about going to midnight mass and somebody suggested going to a mass like a, uh, like a church with a, a large Hispanic population because it would be very traditional and then somebody else was like, hey go to this one church down somewhere and it's, you know, it's, it's all in Latin still. And it all sounded well and good in theory. But you know what? Christmas Eve at like, a, like I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock, we finally just looked at each other. and We were like, F it. And, we, and we, just, we just sat on the sofa and watched um, Jesus. I don't remember what it was. Well, Jesus watched you watching TV. That's really why, well, that's why Jesus wouldn't have given us cable, Tim. If he didn't want us watching things on his uh, on his birthday, so so we ended up not going. We just said screw that. Yeah, uh, it was
2: bad. It was bad. Like I just I I can't even pretend for an hour anymore. I can't do it. My sister's so mad at me. I'm like, just to let you know, I'm gonna tell mom. You know, not not here, not this weekend, but in the next couple of months. Like I'm not gonna do go it So anyway, so this is a, even a better reason why I don't like it. So I found these. When I was there, my mom was very much like, are you going to go on the radio and make fun of our religion? I'm like, you know, it's a radio show consisting of, um, you know, fallen Catholics. We've all, we all know Catholicism. We've all been through it. You can make a choice whether or not you believe in something.
1: I've made an informed decision about Catholicism. So
2: the wonderful thing about my church is when you walk in, they have this little area that has all these informational brochures. Yes. About what to do in scary situations. So I decided to grab these for you. And it says what the church teaches. Pornography. Oh, fantastic. How to Forgive the Church, Same-Sex Marriage.
1: So is this like the uh, the Catholic Church equivalent of those CBS workplace guidelines? Are things? You
2: Saved and
1: Abortion. Fantastic. Thank you
2: they so much. They are awful. Okay, so I was sitting there reading them during church. Excellent. I was oh, getting oh, more and more furious. Oh.
3: Are they out of child molestation coloring books? <laughs> I looked for those. I didn't see any. Wonderful. I guess you have to order them special. It
2: is the most closed-minded. What? I was... That's what religion's
1: for. What is marriage? Uh, Let's see here. Um,
2: That's two-sided, too. It goes on and on. (laughs) How should Catholics
1: respond to the current debate about same-sex unions? Catholics apparently have a moral obligation to bear witness to the truth about marriage. Um, We should ask God to strengthen married couples with his grace to carry out their vocation faithfully and with joy. Uh, listen to this. This is a great Q&A from the Catholic Church about same-sex marriage. Isn't it unjust discrimination to deny marriage to... This is the best one. ...quote, homosexual persons, end quote? On the contrary, the answer says, granting legal status to same-sex unions would be an injustice because it would be based
2: on
4: a falsehood.
1: All right. And there you go. We'll get to those and later. Thank you, it's
2: Jesus. Seething. <laughs> just and the idea. And my dad's saying they're telling... Oh, I'm not even going to tell with, you. And with
1: every pamphlet just sitting there reinforcing your desire to never go back to church...
2: I'm even going to tell you the money figure that he's told me how much they've donated to the church the past week
1: Well, year. 10% plus all your heart, Sarah. That's what you're supposed to give. 10% of your pocketbook, 100% of your you soul.
2: What they've donated to the church and its funding for... Um,
1: yes. Are next- you... Sarah's writing down the figure. This is what your parents have, have donated to the church this year? Two years. Two years. The two-year total. You are
2: kidding I me. I am not kidding you. That and you is told me insane. That while I'm sitting in churches. I'm reading these brochures. And it's talking about, and then, you know, Jamie Lynn Spears thing is in my mind, and it's the whole abortion thing. I'm right. thinking about, it's like, every pregnancy is a blessing. You might be afraid at first, but then learn to live with it and <laughs> know that God, baby, that God's giving you a baby, even though you're only 13.
1: From the miracle of fortified wine, you will love to, you will learn to tolerate your new so child. So this is that going, is going is how much your, That's how much your parents this have is given how the much, church?
2: This is how much they believe in it, and this is, like, they're going to disown me when I tell them that I can't so even do it once a year. So we will not say
1: it, but Sarah's written down this figure that her parents have tithed or given to the church over the last two years. That is crazy.
2: Yep. I could have
1: bought you a car with that.
2: I could not even believe it. Like, I'm sitting there talking to my dad about how, you know, I'm like, I'm really not into this this year. I kind of want to go wait in the car. (sighs) And he's like, by the way, Sarah. (laughs) By
1: the way, look at how much money you'll not be getting. I'm calculating
2: in my head. So I'm like, so you're giving this much money? He's like, well, we usually do it in lump sum. Wow. And the priest was just as creepy as ever. Of course. So creepy.
1: Oh. (laughs) The best part was... Uh, As my wife and I on, uh, whatever, uh, Monday, we're sitting there trying to decide whether or not we were going to go to midnight mass, my brother and his wife came over to drop off some stuff that my mom had bought us. And so my brother and my sister-in-law come over, and we're sitting there talking, and it turns out that, so, so, uh, I don't know if I can say this, someone had given me a copy of God is Not Great. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I can't, I don't know if I can reveal who that was. Someone had given me a copy of the Christopher Hitchens book, God is Not Great to Read. And uh, and so I was talking about that, and immediately my brother revealed that the book he's reading right now is The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. And Richard Dawkins is sort of the premier, uh, athe- he's the premier writer of, of atheist literature uh, in America right now. Um, and so we're sitting there having this huge discussion about the various books we were reading, all of which posit the general thesis that God is dead. And and it was right around then that my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, let's not go to midnight mass this year. <laughs> and my wife who's not even Catholic anyway. So all right, well there you go. So that was um So that was uh, that was our Christmas Eve. Um I don't even know where to start. Uh Jesus. So I'm just gonna throw out a, the random assortment of things that happened over the last a uh, few days. So first of all, uh, thanks again to everybody uh, out there who uh, either listened to, enjoyed, took part in, uh, or helped with uh, the radio play on Friday. That was terrific. Which it was really great. It, it actually turned out to be uh, to be a re- really great thing. It's up on the podcast. I think you can listen to it uh, on the podcast if you didn't hear it Friday. And people thought the narrator was me, and it wasn't. Uh, no, it was Patrick Rochelle, who I think was sort of, I don't know if he was emulating you, but it was it was sort of from that. It was that same style of delivery. Uh, so our friend Patrick Rochelle was the narrator, and he had, we had a lot of compliments for him. Uh, he really did help to tie the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you missed our radio play, uh, Ebenezer, I barely knew her. You can hear that uh, via our podcast at 970.am. Um, I'm looking at my notes here trying to figure out exactly how to plunge forward with these. these are, I have these separated into a couple, couple different piles, one of which is completely random questions and observations. Um, the other is what I did uh, yesterday, and I then you just
2: slept and watched Lara play video games. Well,
1: then I went to my eye appointment, which I'll get to in just a second. Let me let me first say this though. Here's what, here's a random observation. Then I will talk about the eye appointment yesterday.
3: Did you ask for a like you said? You
1: no, ask? no, I didn't. I thought about it though. I thought about it because they are sitting there. You're sitting there in the room at the at the eye place, and there's always that um, there's that little uh. uh like a little a little case full of, like, just single lenses that I think they use to hold up to your eye when you're looking at oh the yeah. charts. And they look it looks like a case full of monocles, mm-hmm. like a little Mr. Peanut thing. So I'm sitting there in the chair looking at this case full of monocles, and I thought about just being wacky and asking for one, and, that I, and I didn't, because the woman seemed pretty humorless. Mm-hmm. Um, just a brief observation then I will uh, talk about, this eye appointment I had yesterday, which was interesting in a whole bunch of ways. I will say this, that I came in to work on... Um, Sunday. Uh, just for a little while, of course, because well, here's the thing: a, because who am I kidding? I really don't have that much of a life. My wife was working anyway, so my wife was at work. Is some... that going
2: to be your New Year's resolution this year to like make an effort to actually live your life instead of stay at home? Well,
1: every every now and again, you can't I'm just be. yesterday going to put my toe in the water. I did stay home yesterday instead of coming here and hacking my uh, you know my flu all over everybody. Uh, but my wife was at work Sunday, so I came to work just to get a few things done. And I love radio stations when they're full of people and bustling and busy and lots of things are happening. But, and I think I speak for Tim on this too, I also love radio stations when they're kind of quiet and deserted. There is a certain kind of a charm, a magic to a radio station that is sort of empty. And so radio stations on holidays are kind of appealing. Uh, when, they're, when they're on and they're working, but there's not a lot of people around. And that was the case on Sunday. But Sunday I was up in my office getting some work done, doing some things, and I went into the men's room to use the bathroom. And, and this will really only mean something to Sarah and Richie. I walked into the men's room
2: upstairs (laughs) on Sunday. Oh, they're going to see you get trapped in it.
1: (laughs) No, uh, but you know, they say that smell is the strongest of the senses, that smell has the strongest link to memory of all of the senses. Um, So I walked into the bathroom, and I don't know what the particular combination of cleaning supplies is, but I walked into the men's bathroom upstairs, and immediately it's like I was back at the swingers club. Whatever they clean the men's room with, And they had obviously just cleaned it an hour or so before because it was was a very strong, you know, distinct smell. I walked in there, and it was like some weird combination of, like, comet and bleach. And it was exactly the smell that the Swingers Club had when they took us through there. And so I walked into the men's room, and immediately it was like I was back in the Rumba room or whatever the thing Uh. with the big bed they were showing us at the Swingers Club. The group? Room. The group room, yes, yeah. where they had the huge screen with the porn on it. It's
2: like, oh, that's the grossest one. I'm yeah. sorry. And that room just felt like there were many, many bad things that happened there. It felt like a bad
1: suburban swingers, like... It's like somebody made it in party. their basement, like so, exactly. like a creature,
2: Scotty J, with that
1: in his basement. The group room at the Swingers Club it seems a lot like that scene in the Ice Storm with Kevin Kline, where they're like putting they're putting keychains into a fishbowl to determine what wife they go home with. Um, the creepiest thing about the group room at the Swingers Club is that there's the huge bed with the red, you know, the red sheets, and then on the on the wall facing it is a uh, like a book a bookshelf. And the bookshelf is filled with Reader's Digest condensed books. That's the best thing about the group room. You can sit there and have sex with 15 people while looking at, like, the Reader's Digest version of Moby Dick. Uh, All right, so that's my observation. So I go to the eye uh, doctor yesterday. The eye doctor. The eye doctor. I, because, and we all kind of have either bad vision or wear glasses in this room. So people who wear glasses know what I'm talking about. I don't
2: wear glasses.
1: You have poor vision, though.
2: It doesn't mean I wear glasses.
1: That's what I said. We either have poor vision or... Wear glasses. Uh, so, but if you've worn glasses for a long time, you know this feeling where you're, you can cert, you can kind of feel your eyes trying to focus, and you can tell your prescription is getting out of date. Like, you can sort of feel your eyes working to find the focus. And so I made this appointment a few weeks ago, uh, and it was yesterday. So I go in yesterday for my eye appointment. So I just laid around the house, did all under nothing, watched my wife play video games, and then I went to the eye appointment. And I go in there, and I had a couple of thoughts. First of all, I'm sitting there in the waiting room, waiting for my appointment, and you start to realize that there is no hotbed of disease and illness like a hospital waiting room, because you're sitting there, and I was already kind of feeling under the weather anyway, you're sitting there in the waiting room and you are surrounded by about 75 people, all of whom are making this noise. <coughs>
5: <coughs> You know,
1: it's like the opening, the opening seconds of sweet leaf happening all around you. There's nothing but phlegm and like chest rattling convulsions happening like on all fronts. And, and and it's like by the time you realize this, you've already been sitting in the waiting room for like five minutes, and so you are and there's no point in leaving because you've already inhaled in many millions of infected microbes, and there's just no point. So like you just sort of you know you resign yourself to it and you sit down. Um, Anyway, so I go in and I'm doing the whole eye appointment thing. Oh, and the doctor was sick too. That's that's another great thing. So the the doctor who was like, you know, doing that thing where they they put the huge um, they put that they put that huge faceplate thing in front of you, and he goes, "All right, I'm um, gonna uh, try a couple lenses. All right, tell me which is better, one or two, one or two? And you know that he already knows the answer. That's the other weird thing when they give you the eye test. Did you ever realize this? That when the guy is giving you the test, he already knows what you're going to say. Because every time you answer, he just he, he responds as though it's no surprise. Like, you, All right, so um, I'm going to show you two sets of lines. One is red and one is green. Which one of those is clearer? the red one or the green one? Which one's clearer and brighter? And you go, the green one? Mm-hmm, that's what I thought, okay. And, uh all right, so I'm going to show you now. This is one and two. Which of these would you say is brighter? One, two. And he goes, two, and he goes, mm-hmm, two, all right. And you can tell that he already knows what you're going to answer for everything. And so you wonder if, if like, they're just trying to make you feel better about the amount of your copay by keeping you there for a long time so you don't feel like you're being swindled. So the doctor's sitting there giving me the one, two thing over. And the whole time, he's not coughing. And I don't mean the gross everybody out here right at the beginning of the show. But uh, let me just note, we deliberately didn't schedule anybody from CNN in this uh, hour because I knew that we were all going to run over time doing this whole intro. But he's doing that thing that I hate where it's not the coughing. It's the. Can I just speak very plainly? And I'm talking now to my eye doctor and to everybody else out there. Just leave the room and go blow your nose for a few minutes. Really? I would prefer that as opposed to the it, 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 not blowing your nose and just sitting there and occasionally going... Like that oh, it, uh, no don't, one wants to hear, but again. you know what I'm saying yes, right? I we all know I was recreating that noise i'm not actually doing it hear was right public transportation, the person no, always sits right now. I mean I'm, it, don't sniffle you' just sitting there's nothing I don't mean to sound I don't mean to sound all uh, depressing about it, but there is nothing more revolting than being six inches away from a guy who like about and because then you start to anticipate it right I'm sitting there in the doctor's chair. And I can't very well say to the doctor, "Hey, doc, leave the room and blow your nose and then come back I mean you don't you know he's sort of in a position of authority, so you don't feel like you can order him around so I'm sitting there, and the doctor's doing the, you know the one or two, and which are brother, the horizontal lines or the vertical lines, but then about every ninety seconds, I get the whole as he like you know sniffles his you know everything back up into his nose. And I just wanted to say, like, look, go find a tissue for the love of God. And so about every 90 seconds, I would start to tense up knowing that the big, disgusting, like, you know, inhaling of mucus was about to happen. It's just so disgusting. Um, so the doctor's giving me the whole thing. And let me ask you this right now. And everybody in the room, everybody listening to me, everyone with ears will now be able to relate to this. What is the worst part of an eye exam? And you may actually have forgotten that they do this, because I always forget about it until I go and then it all comes back. Tim, (laughs) the puff of goddamn (laughs) air, which I always, it's like I repress it. It's like I blot it out until I go in there and she's like, all right. And uh, I'm going to have you look at this little house in the distance. This will just measure the curve of your eye. Okay. Now I'm going to have you move over to this machine here, and then it all comes flooding back. When she asked you to put your chin in that little metal chin rest and put your eye up to the thing, and then she says those dreaded words, she goes, all right, you're going to feel a little puff of air and try to keep your eye open. And then suddenly with all of this unfolding horror within your own soul, you remember exactly how bad that is. Okay, but you know what I learned yesterday? Here's what I discovered yesterday. And this is amazing. Uh, this was like when the, when the guy said that they, uh, you know, if you ask your dentist that some dentist uh, will give you the gas, but you have to ask for it. So I go to the doctor at the eye doctors. She tells me to put my chin in the little puff of air machine. And and I, and I actually said, I said, boy, God, do I hate this machine. I, just, I, I told her, I'm like, I hate this machine more than anything. And you know what she said to me? She said, you know, you can wave this. And I said, Really? And she said, yes, you don't have to take this test. And no one has ever told me that before. Hmm. Never once have they told me that I could wave the little puff of air in my eye test. So she goes, you don't have to take this. You can wave it. And I said, hey, screw that. Consider it waived. And she said, well, okay, now it does test for glaucoma. And I'm like, F that. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm waiving the test. So I waive the puff of air test. And so she finishes up. And then she sends me with the regular doctor. And then the doctor says... So you uh, you waved the puff of air in your eye test. Well, let me do this other thing. And so the doctor leans me back in the chair and he puts a couple eye drops in each eye. And then he looks at me with a little blue light. And it turns out that does the same thing. So if you wave the puff of uh, air in your eye thing, they have another test that is completely painless that they do that does the same thing. So from now on, when you go to your eye doctor, you can just say, screw that, I don't want the puff of air in my eye, give me the eye drops. And all they do is they put like an eye drop thing in your eye, and then he looks at you with a little pen light, and then you're done. And that's hmm. it.
2: So Are they the drops that dilate your pupil?
1: Uh, no, 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 they don't. It's just uh, it's like a little yellow substance. It doesn't hurt at all. They like drop it in your eye, and then he looks at what you, It's just like to to, um, to test the curve of your eye or whatever. And then he looks at you with a little blue light, and then you're done. So, you no longer need to have the air shot into your eye. It's a complete revelation. I never would have known that if she hadn't revealed it to me yesterday. Uh, All right. Well, there you go. So, all right, it's like 1135. So, hopefully that was all relatable and moderately amusing. Uh, Let's get this call, and then we'll uh, take a break. We'll come back with more, including Kissology Volume 3. Uh, Hello, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hi.
6: Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you, sir. Hello. And uh, I'm glad to see that everyone is... Back on the air, safe. Yes. So I'm giving you my valium and morphine uh, love
1: here. Are you on? Are you on valium and morphine?
6: Yes, I am.
1: Which do you take first?
6: I take the uh, morphine first. I chew it up real good and then wash it back with some uh, cold coffee and then uh, 10 milligram. Uh, Valium, I'm ready to face the inline. Now,
1: is this morphine as such, or is this morphine like in the form of, like, oxycodone or something? No,
6: no, no, no. this is, uh... Uh... Morphine sulfate, immediate release tabs, 30 milligrams.
1: You know, can I tell you that morphine is one of those drugs that I've never had because I'm not a Civil War soldier, but no. it is. I, I long to try morphine because it just sounds like the best thing ever.
6: Well, I'll tell you, all you got to do is to get hit by a drunk driver, and uh, you
1: can learn to love it. Well, I'll put that on my to-do list for 2008. Your not to-do list? Was it the bucket list? My to-don't list. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Take care, everyone. Right.
5: You too. Thank you. All right.
1: Well, there you go. All right. We should take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, we'll come back after this. We'll give away a copy of Kissology, Volume 3. Uh, Tim Riley, at the Ministry of Truth, and more. You say that It's the Rick Emerson Radio... If it was him, that would just be sad.
2: No. No, no, no. It's what, not him. It's what a, else is
1: Luke Perry doing, right? It's
2: now? the character.
1: You know, I always get Luke Perry and Jason Priestley confused. I can never tell them apart. And I know that's because I'm not mm-hmm. a... Bit, Luke Perry and Jason Priestley. Like, I always have to stop and think about it for a second. It's going to be a Corey Feldman, Corey Haim thing. No, I'm just saying, because I wasn't really a big 90210 fan. I was just... uh And I think, it, you know, I was... I was however old when it was on. I mean, I was like 17, 18, 19 when it was on. But it was just not... It just wasn't. It wasn't for me. I'm not. You know, it was essentially a soap opera, and I'm not much of it. You know, it just didn't really appeal to me. Uh, so I was aware of it in a pop culture sense. You know, because there were so many stars that came out of that show. But I never really watched 90210. Like, I'm not one of those guys who had and watch it as like a, as a viewer.
2: It is like I, I can't stop looking at this because this guy is pretending to be the character Dylan McKay, and they get like all these people are playing the characters. And these
1: are my. They're all your. They're MySpace. So somebody has a MySpace account where he then writes in character so as writes, Luke Perry. So
2: sometimes he'll change, like, his, no, he writes in character as Dylan McKay. Oh, I'm sorry. And so he'll be like, Gina, like, he writes blogs about how they break up. And, like, these random girls will be, like, writing Gina Kincaid in a self-destructive mood. So they have this, like, go, like role-playing story, and it goes back and forth. It is so creepy I can't stop looking at it.
1: Well, at first I thought you meant that Luke Perry was just writing MySpace blogs in the character of Dylan McCain.
2: Well, Luke Perry, it could be him. You never know if he's, like, stalking the high school Musical. What is the last thing that Luke Perry did? You know what? I was just reading this thing about him. About um, the two kids from High School Musical who were dating, like Vanessa, whatever, Back, and uh, Efren. Yeah, I was talking about them canoodling in a booth. It's like they were soon interrupted by uh, by fellow pal Luke Perry. I'm like they're like 16 and Luke Perry's
1: 45. <laughs> no, totally. That's and, creepy. No, he is exactly like that guy who would come by your high school who was like 20 years old who would like sit outside idling in his primer gray Camaro, uh, just hey, you, you dudes want to hang out in the bowling alley, you know? And he was like, he seemed like he was about 50. Yeah. yeah, I've
2: been watching episodes of um, since I have my new math book, which is awesome. I'll be watching the YouTube at at my house and uh-huh. just watch the show. It is a terrible show. Oh, it's awful! I don't do awful. The acting's awful. Yeah. Luke Perry wasn't even that good looking. I don't yeah. even know what I was thinking. No,
1: that show was completely. It's like all Aaron, uh, Aaron Spelling programs. It's it, you watch it now and it's just in retrospect. It's maybe it was good compared to bad. the other
2: crap that was on TV. I don't think that's true. Okay.
1: Uh, alright, uh, I don't even know what we're doing here. Well, we gotta, let's do, uh, a couple calls here. We've got are gonna do a giveaway. And then, Richie, we're gonna do, Richie, we're gonna do the Kissology Volume 3 giveaway in a second. Hello, hi. Hi.
7: Hi. How you doing, right?
1: What seems to be happening in the background there?
7: Well, oh, oh, I'm, uh, actually broadcasting from the tram, which just came all the way down from OHSU in the mist.
1: Very. <gasps> the mist that took John Lee?
7: Well, see, that I, I had a whole setup, but unfortunately I got to listen to commercials for Rosetta Stone or something instead. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, but, hey, one thing I do want to mention uh, yeah. is that one of your major P1 listeners is actually uh, with uh, a muckety-muck with OHSU's transportation services. Really? And I know that he wants to set up a time for you guys to come ride the tram and check it all out and do all that stuff.
1: See, here's the thing about that. <laughs> uh-uh. I don't think that's going to happen um, because we're all terrified of the tram.
7: Yeah. <sighs> fine.
2: fine. All right, we should talk Okay, well, I'm
1: not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying the tram weighs, I would guess, half a ton.
2: Are you trying to you sabotage us? Are you trying to get us all on the tram at the same time so that <laughs> it can fall off?
1: Is this like that thing where they won't right. let the president and the vice president be on the same plane because if it crashes, the whole country is screwed? I, I,
7: I, so, yeah, actually, it's kind of a conspiracy with me and Richie worked out. It's kind of a line of succession thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so
1: suddenly it's the Timmy Ryan extravaganza? <laughs>
7: Ends up with eleven to three. See, so,
1: so but here's the thing: the tram itself weighs like half a ton. How many yeah. people? How many people are allowed to ride the tram at once?
7: What's... You can you can max it out to the best of my knowledge, and I'm not the the, the, the best authority, but to the best uh-huh. of my knowledge, it's 75.
1: 75 people. It. Let's assume they weigh. Hold on a second. Just let me let me get up my uh, Microsoft uh, calculator here. Hold on, calculator. Okay, yeah. so
7: let's say 75 times yeah. 100. Yeah. You want you know what you want to know what the total capacity is? I can ask the operators. That's eight thousand
1: five hundred pounds. That is four tons. Let so me, uh, four tons hanging on a thin
7: steel cable. Hang on just a second. Uh-huh. What's the, uh huh. What's the operating capacity for the tram weight wise? The operating capacity weight wise. Thirteen
8: thousand nine hundred
7: thirty-four pounds. pounds. Thirteen thousand nine hundred thirty-four pounds. That's six is and a half.
1: Capacity. Six and a half tons.
7: Yep.
1: Here's the thing: is that's just held up by a piece of wire. Sure. Tim, do you find the tram, A, totally terrifying, B, not terrifying at all, or C, somewhat terrifying? <laughs> somewhat terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I myself find the tram totally and completely terrifying. Sarah?
2: I find it very, very scary. I've been on a gondola before, and I did not enjoy it at all. I don't even go on a It uh, was so... Um... Scary, and what's even funnier? What's even worse is that people who are on it think it's funny to mess with you because you're nervous. Oh,
1: looks like we're going over. Yeah, I don't even want to go on a ski lift. So, <laughs> it, 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 let me just ask you ask you this: Have you ever gone into Google and looked up tram crashes or tram accidents? Oh
7: yeah, one of the uh, one yeah. of the uh, one of the more exciting ones is when uh, like a military jet will be flying. Uh-huh. To... And they'll cut the wires. Oh, that's great.
1: Let me ask you this. Does it bother you that there is, in fact, uh, page after page of results for the the phrase tram accident on Google? Does that indicate to you that maybe God is sending us a message of some kind?
7: Well, you know, you know, I'll tell you one thing. It gets me down here in about four minutes,
1: uh huh, or yeah. faster, or ten seconds, depending on how it's running uh-huh. that
7: day. Well, yeah, I was going to say, let's not get into the whole conversation about whether heavier things fall faster than light things.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> say hello to Clyde's house when you crash through the roof of it. All <laughs> Absolutely.
7: right. Hey, Rick, I left you. Uh, I left you something on uh, on Christmas Eve. Oh, you oh, you the did office? the
1: a DVD. Yes, I got a yeah. great email. How sad it is, by the way, that he knew I would be here. He uh, sent me an email. He's like, "Dude, I hung something on the front door on Christmas Eve. Check it out. It was a, a DVD. Thank you, sir. I will, uh, I will uh, endeavor to watch that in the next week or so." Cool. All right. Thank All you, right. my friend. All right, there show. you go. Thank you. There you go. Guy, riding the tram is a thing I think I could do without. That seems like a thing we ought to send Richie to do, or somebody. I've been on ski lifts on numerous
2: occasions. Yeah, I know. But see, the tram isn't like a ski lift. On a ski lift. You have no control in the tram. You're in this bubble that, like, if something goes awry, you're going to be squished with all these people as it falls to the ground and shatters into a million pieces, and you're all squished.
1: And I should say this, for full disclosure, I have never gone skiing in my life because, A, it doesn't so appeal never to me. you've
2: even been on a ski lift? No. I've told you my horror story about the ski lift.
1: No, but please, maybe I forgot about it. Please tell again.
2: About my first time snowboarding?
1: Now, is this, let me ask you this, and then you can tell your story. On a ski lift, it seems to me, and again, I haven't gone skiing because, A, I'm just, you know, I'm not not the exercising type and b it's i would i would die like i would totally bone on myself into oh, a yeah. tree so um on a ski lift, though, it seems like you're never more than 10 or 12 feet above the ground.
2: No, you're really oh, high. Oh, you're way up you're there. Way oh, really? At some points because, you know, the mountain will... Oh, that's true. Yeah. And,
1: and you're always sitting next to the wise guy who wants to rock the seat back and forth. Oh, see, no. I say I would just pee myself and die. Um. So, no, please tell your ski lift horror story. All right, story. just a
2: short one. Um. So, I was snowboarding for the first time. I didn't know what I was doing. We are trying to get on the ski lift. It was my friend and I. And this girl keeps insisting on getting on the ski lift with us. And I'm like, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know how to control the snowboard. I really think it would be better if, you know, if you didn't get on with us. So anyway, she's trying to get on at the last minute, and she's trying to cram into the seat with us. She slips, and her and the, and the ski lift is still going up the hill, so we're oh. only, like, a couple feet in the air. She slips. Her ski attaches to my snowboard, uh, and she's dangling from my snowboard oh, wow. with her ski uh, attached oh. to it. So they had to stop it. They had to Jesus. get her off. Uh, is there an
1: emergency a, stop? Like, is there yeah. a button you can push or it a thing stopped. you can pull?
2: I stopped the whole thing for, like, you know, a few minutes. as You know, they unhooked her ski, and she fell to the ground with only a few... A few feet, and then um, they put her ski back on. She got on the one behind us, and I could just hear her swearing the entire time, and she was so mad at me. And then when we got off the ski left, I promptly fell on my face. Yeah, and she, like, skied around me all angrily. I'm like, I told you I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> she skied around you. She just skied like, around me and, like, gave me a dirty look and, like, you know, blew snow in my face and rode off of them like, flailing with snowboard the snowboard attached to the, my feet.
1: The Roy Stalin to your Lane Meyer?
2: Yeah, so she was quite literally dangling from my snowboard.
1: Man, it's like I saw this news this story. I don't know. I think it was last weekend or something on uh, MSNBC about some one of those like loop-de-loop roller coasters where some people were stuck upside down for 25 minutes, and it was like 300 feet off the ground, and there's just and there's video of them just hanging. I mean, literally at the actual apex of the loop, hanging upside down, secured only by like their belt straps or whatever, just completely unnerving. So I think we'll pass on taking the tram, uh, but we will send some guinea pig uh, up to do it for us. We'll find We somebody. should
2: take the tram.
1: I don't think I want to take the tram. That's the thing.
2: But I know it's scary, but I think we should.
1: Okay, well, here's the thing. We can't do it during the show, obviously, but uh, if we do it, we have to do it under the following circumstances. We all go, or none of us go, and... Because it's not going to be just like me and like Richie. Like all of us go and yeah. we're going to take our little. Uh, we we'll take our handheld. Uh, we'll take mm-hmm. our our Edderall, uh digital recorder so we can record uh, our reactions as we are, uh, you know, plummeting towards And toward Did
2: Doom. he say that he'd be able to arrange it so we could go on with nobody else?
1: Uh, I think so, but I don't really know. Because
2: okay, that's what I feel comfortable with. Like.
1: He, he claims that one of our listeners is uh, is high up in the OHSU transportation department. Because
2: that would be scary with some like random sixteen year old kid shaking the thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Somebody Uh, with braces cackling. Uh, All right. Uh, Richie Bristol, uh, let's now take caller number five. Uh, We'll try to give away a copy of Kissology Volume 3. We'll take caller number five uh, at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let's see. Do I have my actual copy points for Kissology 3? Hold on. Let me look. Let me look in real time on the air while we're waiting well, we've got to wait for a calls anyway. It's 503-733-297. Oh, here we go. Uh, so we'll go ahead and try to give away a copy of Kissology Volume 3, nearly 10 hours of live kiss on four DVDs, including the complete MTV Unplugged show on sale from VH1 Classic Records. Uh, so we'll take caller number five for that right now. Coming up in a few minutes after that, we'll have Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, later on, uh, Lisa Desjardins. Um, Oh, and then we have so much to get to. Uh, I haven't even talked about... I haven't even talked about this whole video game thing at my house. I was mentioning watching my wife play video games for like four yeah, hours yesterday. Yeah, then you were
2: saying why you have the greatest wife ever. So I, used to be it, she really me.
1: is the best wife
2: What would she get you for Christmas?
1: Um, it,
2: not a whole lot. I mean, it's, and I don't mean,
1: I'm not saying that to, to be to be a jerk. We have this, um,
2: we well, try to be. we you never really get each other presents, right?
1: No, the deal here, the deal, uh, we, we have an understanding. Uh, the understanding is that we buy each other, a, you know, a few small things. Uh, but then we go in together and buy ourselves something like sort of sizable as a couple. Uh, you know, so we'll buy each other a few small things and then we'll pull, you know, we did not pull our money, but, you know, we'll sort of put our heads together and figure out uh, something sort of large uh, to get ourselves. Uh, so, uh, but she did buy me, not at the, I don't want to be the guy sitting here going, listen to all the cool stuff I got for Christmas. Uh, but she did uh, get me some really great things. She really is the best wife ever. um, so um she got me a watch which I quite fancy. Um That's a nice one. And uh but the the, the really great one two punch that she got me in addition to this watch. I'm a huge fan of the movie The Iron Giant as you know. So she got me two separate Iron Giant gifts and this is the it's the best kind of gift uh gift it's in that it probably I don't know if it cost a lot or not but it really is the sort of uh thought behind the thing. She got me two separate Iron Giant gifts. One is the promotional comic book that they put out for the Iron Giant when it first hit theaters like 10, 12 years ago. Uh, And they put out a pseudo-comic book um, that was, I think that they gave away at comic book shops, that was sort of a four-page synopsis of the beginning in a movie and it was like, you know, to find out the rest see the Iron Giant in theaters next week or whatever. So it was a small Iron Giant comic book. She got me that and those I'd never even, I didn't even know it existed, but apparently it was just a promotional item. And then she got me an original copy of the the children's book The Iron Giant by Ted Hughes which is what the entire movie was based on. He was Sylvia Plath's husband, and he wrote this British children's book called The Iron Giant, which they eventually made into this movie 40 years later. And so she found an old copy of The Iron Giant book, and it was so great because it was actually an old library book from the Arkansas State Library, or the Arkansas, you know, Public Library. Uh, so in Little Rock, I think. So anyway, so she got me two separate Iron Giant gifts. One was really old, one was new, which is great. So, uh, and it, was, uh, so it was good. Um... And uh, and I think we're and as sad as this is, I think the big present we're gonna get uh, ourselves as a couple is uh, the services of a cleaning lady, because our because <gasps> our house is just an. Seriously, S-hole. I've
2: been, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm never gonna clean my house either. And yeah. so when you find your cleaning lady, you send her number my way. No,
1: it's it, it, because that was like as I said. That's... I just
2: I'm not gonna get on my hands and knees and clean no. my bathroom or my kitchen nope. or anything. Like I can I'm a good surface cleaner. I'll sweep and stuff, but I mean all that you know, stuff that piles up. I just have no desire to clean it. And I
1: think eventually you just sort of come to an understanding within yourself of, like, look, Mm -hmm. I can't lie to myself any longer. I'm never going to clean this place. And that's the thing is, and usually in in, uh, couples or relationships, there's a tidy person and a messy person. And we are both the messy person. There is no tidy person uh, in my wife and I's relationship. It's actually, if this was an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Uh, I would actually suggest, I was actually sort of joking with her this weekend. I said that really, if I were Larry David, this would be one of those things where we look into having some polyamorous relationship with like a second wife, but really just for the cleaning. Like we would just try to find some second woman to marry into a a relationship. But the thing is, she would just have to be a neat freak. Uh, Because we were talking about how Lara and I both in the past had been in relationships with people who were really tidy. And how you know the good news bad news is that we found each other but both of us are just disgusting. So anyway, um, so we're just gonna we're we're gonna uh, d- 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 hunker down and hire someone to come like twice a month and, and clean totally our house. And I do recommend
2: you for that. You yeah. know what? People don't understand if they have the cleaning gene that. You know, no. how to I don't even under, I don't even know how I could get my apartment as clean as it should be. Oh, man. You and know, like how you get all the stuff out of the little corners of the kitchen and stuff. And here's the thing is when
1: somebody comes to clean your house, they clean stuff you didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Like they I remember the last time we had a cleaning woman and I forget why I forget why we started. I think I think she might have moved away or something. But the first time our old cleaning lady came, she cleaned the underside of the kitchen faucet. I didn't even really know there was an underside of the kitchen faucet. She cleaned like the racks in our in our refrigerator i mean just stuff that you would never even think of cleaning or that i would never think of cleaning so anyway and i know it makes me sound like terribly bourgeois to have a cleaning person but i don't care it doesn't well Screw i hope it, it doesn't
2: because i'm doesn't agreeing matter. with you and trying to get the phone number
1: oh you know what so uh all right uh richie we're going to take uh this uh caller five here and try to give away this kiss uh kissology volume three then we'll go to the ministry of truth uh why hello who is this this is Sue. hi sue are you a kiss fan Uh, not. My husband is. Well, sad to say, this may work out poorly for you, but we're going to give it a try anyway, all right? We'll give it a shot. All right, so I'll tell you what, I am going to play you a Kiss song done in a different style, uh, and you'll then have uh, about 15 seconds to ponder what song that might be, all right? Okay. All right. You sound very unsure of yourself. Here. Yeah,
9: I am very unsure. All right,
1: uh, we're going to uh, we'll give you uh, about twenty seconds of the song, then we'll give you fifteen seconds to ponder what the song is. Okay. Uh, and uh, at stake here's a copy of Kissology Volume Three from VH1 Classic Records. All right, are you ready? Sure. All right. I'm going to put you on hold to listen to this, and then we'll give you ten seconds, and we'll bring you back on. All right, Sue, name this Kiss song. <laughs> All right. You have 10 seconds to ponder that kiss song. All right, Sue, do you know what that kiss song was?
9: Uh, I, I know the words. She drives me wild. She drives me crazy.
1: Do you know the name of the song, Sue?
9: I do not know the name. Uh,
1: Sad to say you will not be winning a copy of Kissology Volume 3, but we do commend you for trying, Sue. Thank you so much.
9: Okay, thanks. All right, there you go. That's uh,
1: Sue. There you go. All right, well, sorry about that. All right, we should take a break here so we don't get terribly behind. Uh, We'll be back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, Later on, we will endeavor to give away a copy of Kissology, Volume 3. We'll do that maybe, uh, I don't know, another hour or so. Uh, Lisa Desjardins ahead, top five, all that. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Here's a question. Before we get to the uh, noon news hour, why is it that house cleaners don't do windows? Tim? I don't know. But uh, that's a thing that is so common, it's now, you know, it's also a cliche, you know, must do windows. But I was actually, my wife and I were looking up housekeeping services this weekend uh, because that's kind of the, the thing we're going to buy ourselves for 2008. That's our big Christmas gift is to buy a house cleaning. Like service. Look, Mrs. Don't Fire. Exactly. Yes. Um, but the one that we looked at, in fact, the one that we think we're going to go with, they do, however, stipulate in the fact, like, we do not do windows. And it's like, why? I don't understand why that is. like we win- have
2: had problems with, like, broken windows in the past,
1: and they have to pay for them. I, it doesn't seem likely, because by that rationale, they wouldn't sort of clean anything that was kind of breakable. But everything, but windows so they aren't do like breakable. Inside of
2: the fridge and stuff, too? Oh,
1: well, I don't know. We haven't, we haven't actually had them come and do the house yet. They're going to do a walkthrough and an estimate. They're going to tell us, you know, because, again, it depends on the size of the house and how many rooms you want them to Because we're not going to have them do our bedroom and, you know, my office either, because it's just there's...
2: I just need the linoleum rooms. All I need is like I, I need a bathroom kitchen person.
1: The that's our thing too, and our and our living room. The thing is the bedroom, and I mean to make it sound like total slobs, but the bedroom there's just always a bunch of clothes on the floor, and it's like I don't want to make them do my laundry. You would have to do the laundry before you could even see the floor to do it to vacuum it. And my office. I just have papers and just crap and just Star Wars collectibles everywhere, like so much so that you couldn't even see the furniture to clean it. So, uh, you know, but but they always said, we'll not do windows. And it it occurs to me that that's a thing that you sort of see everywhere with like maid services and house cleaning services, but for reasons that elude me. So, does not make any sense. All right, at the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley.
4: Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
3: Well, we're all disappointed that it hasn't snowed downtown yet, but it probably won't because it's a little bit too warm. But at the 500 foot plus level, you can expect two to five inches before four o'clock. So Everybody
1: else gets rain. Is that so? Is it snowing there now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But not here. It's just Like raining. in the West Hills. Yeah. No, not here downtown. They promised us oh, yeah. snow today. I know. You promised us snow today. I was all set to
3: activate the storm center, too. Was...
1: <laughs> just with your finger over the red jolly candy-like mm-hmm. button. Just... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to uh, to your news yesterday, Tim, and someone very similar to you claimed that there would be snow starting at 8 a.m. today happening yep. all day long. Exactly. That's not taking place. I was
3: lied to. You've
1: led us astray, Tim.
3: But I was watching uh, Channel 2 this morning. Uh-huh because we we do have friends that work there, even though the station itself always chooses to ignore us and pretend we don't exist. But I was watching the reporter out in Gresham, and she was apparently sent out there to report on snow that wasn't happening. There were a couple of flakes of snow that fell. So this woman is on TV. It's a scene right out of Spinal Tap. She's holding up her glove to the lens of the camera, going, look at the glove, look
1: at the glove. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Look at my glove. (laughs) Uh, Something about. Nude and greased, uh, whatever. Uh, I will say this about the snow. It's real quickly. So um, I don't know what everybody... We're all disappointed that we didn't get it. Well,
3: but it must be somewhere because I saw a picture of a snowman with a broom a few minutes ago.
1: Maybe it was fake, though. Maybe it was like an artificial... <laughs> it's where the peacocks live. I bought us the greatest thing. I think it's up in the office. I bought us the... As, um, as Joe Bluth would say, I got the best thing. Uh, I bought us in Provo, Utah. I bought us some fake snow. I don't know how it works. Have you seen it? It's like a big bag of white powder... He says, are they Latter Day flakes? Or... Uh, no, but it's a big bag of white powder that you dump in water, and it creates snow, which it then says lasts for like four days. Does anybody know what I'm talking about?
8: No, I've never, <laughs> I
1: haven't used it yet. It's still sealed in the bag. You dump it into water, and it creates snow, and it says it then the snow lasts for like four days. I have no idea what it is or how it works. We'll do it later today. Uh, so that's your new interest instead of snow globes. Exactly. No, that is the. It's snow globes are yeah. snow globes are very 2006. Uh, I did have the best Christmas day ever. Uh, this is all part of my wife being the best wife ever. Mm. Um, so on uh, because we didn't go out of town. She was working all weekend, and we you know we didn't want to go see her family, or her relatives. We were just thinking f that. So we just we stayed in town. And so on Christmas morning, we got up. Uh, we uh, we unwrapped our presents. You know everything. And then we went out to uh, my father's place uh, for uh, for breakfast on stale Christmas muffins. morning. Exactly, it was just fan- the way you like them. It was fantastic, can I tell you? So my wife and I are sitting there on Christmas morning at a table right by the jukebox at my father's place, uh, drinking their terrible coffee and having like stale muffins. It yeah, should be and, and like like greasy like bad steak and eggs sitting there listening to Aerosmith and just as and I'm reading my I'm reading my book by Slash and she's reading like some some other book and we're sitting and just as we looked out through the smoke you know smoky haze of that place it started to snow out on the street and we actually took a picture of me sitting at the bar uh I'm sitting at the bar at my father's place on Christmas morning uh, with like just a huge row of bad alcohol behind me and it's like and just like it's cigarette smoke everywhere and just disgusting and vile and wonderful. So that was my Christmas morning. And I so. remember
2: yeah you text message me and oh, I'm like that's oh nice. that's perfect you're having the greatest day. It was the
1: ba- and then we went home and there were a bunch of empty 40s in our driveway. So there you go. Here's Tim Riley. I watched the Astro Boy Christmas marathon. Really? Both his parents were killed on
3: Christmas day and he brought them back to life. Oh. So at least had a it's happy ending. a tale ending. of joy for children.
6: Okay.
3: And then yesterday, I went to do some Christmas shopping for non-existent sales. Do you realize that they have sales for obese people, but not for people with waist under 32?
1: I don't know what we're talking about right now.
3: Well, I'm talking about after uh, after Christmas sales, when everything when is everything on When everything is
1: off. Yeah. But it was but only
3: for... It's only for obese people.
1: But apparently, if, you, if you're...
10: Were
3: like,
1: you at a Marshall's?
3: any store i went to three different stores there are sales on on waste 34 and up you can eat all you want no problem your clothes are on sale if you have a waist below 32 you pay full price no matter what you pick up anything your size if you're a little on the shorter side and perhaps a waist not as big as your average person you pay full price you're punished for having good health and not
1: having a considerable amount of credit. But if you're fat, you get rewarded. Everything is made. A whole variety of stretchy Hagar slacks, just for you. Yeah. Uh, What's well, like, every time I go to, and, and I was making fun of Marshalls, but I do actually go there on occasion. No, um, everybody does. No, and that's I... It. Macy's is the same vibe. No, I go there, and here's my thing. I go there, and I'll always find a shirt that I like in every size but mine. Mm. Like, my size is always the one that's sold out. But as you said, but there's, but there's a whole variety of clothing in like double XL, yeah. thirty four to forty six, no problem, <laughs> half price, exactly. buy one get one free. Anything remotely approaching slender, though, you are screwed.
3: Like anything my size, for slacks is always tan. The only make <laughs> clothes my size in one tan, tan. <laughs> I can only wear tan. <laughs> it's The only thing available, and you pay full price. You can't have nice things, Tim. Just my observation. God bless us, everyone. Gonna go pay full price, more tan clothes. The day after
1: Christmas. <laughs> if I don't have enough already. I just don't have enough khaki. Uh, good God Almighty. So anyway, Merry Christmas, anyway. <laughs> Let's do the uh, joy of, of, of Christmas. All right, here's your joy of Christmas post-holiday edition.
8: Wonderful.
5: <laughs>
3: A woman stabbed her husband with a kitchen knife. Following an argument that began when she accused him of opening a Christmas present early, Misty Johnson, with a name like that, you know she's heading for trouble, was arrested and charged with aggravated assault and battery, a felony, and misdemeanor domestic battery. Her husband, Sean Faye, was uh, treated at a local hospital to a wound to the chest and released. Her bail is set at uh, $7,500. Sean Johnson told police that his wife started arguing with him over opening a Christmas present he said he did not know what the present was or if it was intended for him. As the argument escalated, Misty accused her husband of having an affair. Uh, police found the marriage license in the couple's apartment, stating that they were married in late September. So this is their first happy Christmas together. Misty Johnson was taken to the hospital and treated for a minor cut to her leg and then sent to jail. Uh, Christmas Eve uh, downright stunk Where Robert Scoff of Des Moines. But he was able to laugh about it the next day. Firefighters uh, had to rescue the 77-year-old when he got stuck in the opening of the septic tank.
8: Oh. Oh. He had
3: dug a hole and reached inside to find a clog <laughs> when he lost his, his balance and became wedged. Well, it wasn't good, I'll tell you that, he said. It was the worst Christmas Eve I've ever had. You suppose? Uh, the 5'5", inch 135-pound shop uh, hollered, screamed, and hoped his wife, Tony, would hear his cries for help. Well, it took about an hour before she did. Uh, she said, I saw these kicking feet and ran out.
1: <laughs> why, the, I
3: couldn't get why there out. are some feet sticking
1: out of the septic hole. So <laughs>
3: the county deputies arrived and yanked the husband out. <laughs> he was treated for bruises and a ruptured eardrum. Oh, ow. No. All right. And then a couple of things you missed yesterday because you were away. Uh, things on the local scene. And I was accused of pulling a gun at a Vancouver convenience store, calling himself Ozzy Osborne. The clerk said the man had been harassing customers at the store for several hours on Christmas Eve. Why did it take several hours for the cops to get there? The man had uh, caused problems at nearby businesses as well. They transported Ozzy Osbourne to the hospital.
1: they have been menacing the various five, by- mm-hmm. Vinny's
3: Flapjack House. Yes. Uh, police and Eugene Tays and arrested the man Thanksgiving morning for trying to attack his wife with a sword. They were called to home around 9.30 after a woman said she was being attacked and threatened by the suspect. Arm of the sword. There was a baby inside, of course. A deputy was heard a woman's voice, but the suspect would not let the woman and child out. So he was confronted. He was told to drop the sword. He didn't. So they just tased away. <laughs> a wheelchair, a bond woman, traveling uh, and had to uh, make a stop in Vegas, was taken out of her plane and forgotten to be loaded on the next plane. She was forgotten for hours on the tarmac. <laughs> oh, uh, really? and Grenham landed in Vegas from California on her way to Orlando over the weekend. Uh she was accidentally wheeled onto the tarmac and left there for several <laughs> hours.
1: Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but don't you immediately. The daughter
3: said she called me crying hysterically, didn't know what to do. There were no there was but, no one there to the help. Planes in the background yeah. of the phone
1: call. You know, "Hi mom. Hello, I'm on." A... Where are you at? I said I'm calling for That don't you immediately get the 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 uh, site gag though where it's just like a long pullback shot of this tiny wheelchair, <laughs> just these huge airplanes, like, crisscrossing, going over her at every moment. Uh, terrible
3: she eventually time. arrived in Orlando 12 hours later. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. Uh, thieves ruined an Ohio woman's Christmas by stealing her Nutcracker statues. I didn't think anybody could be so mean. It's a terrible thing to say, but they took my Christmas spirit away. These Nutcracker statues are 100 pounds each. They're nicknamed Mr. Nut and Mr. Cracker. <laughs> Uh, the couple found Mr. Nut's torso on a roadside about a mile away. The Mr. next day, Mr. Nut's torso. They found other splintered parts nearby. Oh. It appeared that Mr. Nut had been dragged through the streets by a car. <laughs> they found the other statue in the field. That would be, uh, let's see, Mr. Nut. Who was the other one here? <laughs> Mr. Cracker. Well, Mr. Cracker's uh, torso was found burnt and several parts <laughs> <of> missing. <Mr>. Nutt... <laughs>
1: I don't know why that's so hilarious. I think, A, I'm kind of loopy today. Also, I just think it's a confluence of all... First of all, Nutcrackers are just
3: funny. But well, the, the good part is they have found some replacements online, but they cost $1,500. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, this isn't the only Mr. Nut or Mr. Cracker ever made.
1: And the idea that somebody destroyed Mr. Nut and Mr. Cracker with extreme prejudice... That they didn't just take them away, they dragged one into splinters and then set the other one's torso on fire in a ditch. There really was like a whole plan they had from the beginning. Obviously, this is a a multi-step procedure, like from go. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Do I have anything else here? I don't know. I think that'll do it for now. Oh that's excellent. Alright, there's your joy of Doesn't Christmas. Be than that, it?
8: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, it's fantastic.
1: Uh Rick, I have a thirty two waist and I think they're making bigger I that uh that I think they are making bigger now to make those people feel better. If there's ever anything at Ross for Less her Marshalls, they are ugly. Not only ugly, but ugly and tan, as Tim mentioned. Yeah, they're all tan. <laughs> but, but I really think that the same sizes are being made bigger to make the others feel good. 32 now falls off of me, and my wife, who generally wears extra small, now swims in that as well. More whipped cream, please. I do think that's true. I the think... only
3: fabric left is tan fabric because they're using up all the good stuff on bigger people. <laughs> I do think that they are
1: adjusting the sizes, though. Uh, Why well, may I not be stylishly dressed like the rest of America? I I think, uh, I mean, maybe they're trying to do the large a favor by, you know, covering them in something decent. Maybe they figure that those who are slender have, you know, have it good enough already, and you, you can just wear something taupe. Um, the, uh, you know, here, wear sandstone and like it. But I do think... It's like I just finished that book, Starbucked, by Taylor Clark, which is really, really exceptional. I, I know that I've been talking about it a lot, but it's, it's really good. Um, but he talks about the, the sort of starbucking of, of sizes in that – because, you know, Starbucks at some point got rid of the short. Like, you know, when you, go, you used to be able to go into Starbucks – Oh, you're right. It's not there anymore. I mean, I think you can still... I refuse
2: to call them by their names anyway. I'm always just like 12-ounce, 16-ounce.
1: And I don't do it to be snarky. Like, I don't refuse to say Vente because of whatever. I just never... I can never remember what it is. It gets confusing. And so I just say medium, and that's just going to have to be fine with them. Um, but I think you can still ask for a short, but it's not on the menu. Uh, and so now the... Well, Sarah, you were there. What's the what's the one-up from a short? Is it a tall? That's a tall. So a tall is now the smallest thing there. So that is very that is a very American thing they're doing to portion sizes. That the tall is now the smallest thing you can order at a Starbucks. Um it's like when you see like you know, like old fifties movies where people are drinking a Coca-Cola and it's like an eight ounce bottle. I mean, and now the smallest thing you can buy in a soda is like twenty ounces. It's just insane. And a twenty ounce is now considered regular. I don't mean to sound like everything is better in my day. It's just kinda of, it's no wonder we're all so goddamned obese. Uh, so, but it's the same thing with those. I Obesity do, is rewarded. I, it is. And I do think that they are adjusting the size of clothing. Uh, first of all, because like zero size jeans, which never existed. And I don't mean that euphemistically. I mean, like there was no such thing as a zero size jean to like 10, 12 years ago. So, but clearly very thin people existed before that. So what, like, what did thin people wear before the zero size jean was invented? They must have worn, like, a 2 or a 5 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, because, you know, you always hear that statistic thrown around that Marilyn Monroe was a size 14, but that's not true. Isn't it? No, I mean, people say, well, Marilyn Monroe was a size 14. That's completely untrue. Uh, I mean, it, either that or they have adjusted what a size 14 is. Because if you look at a size 14 woman today, and I'm not passing judgment, I'm just saying, Marilyn Monroe and, like, a size 14 woman friend Vancouver are not the same person. They're just not. So I think they have adjusted clothing sizes as Americans have just become big blimps. So what are you going to do? Here's Tim Riley. you got to wear 10
3: clothes and like it. <laughs> That's what you are got to do. Quit your bitching. Uh, when uh, Megan Harper got to the hospital, her blood level was .55, about seven times greater than Oregon's legal limit for driving. Apparently they don't see numbers to side. Uh, she has drunk driving conditions in Washington and Maluma counties and was convicted in Wasco County, that little wascal for operating a boat while intoxicated. And, uh, let's see, oh, she was on probation for driving under the influence and awaiting uh, another trial on drunk driving charges next month. Clackamas County deputy her passed out in the car at a pizza place. Uh, when she was in court, uh, let's see here. Oh, they wanted to, to give her a high bail as a matter of fact, they gave $50,000 bail. And the judge told her, you're going to end up dead and take somebody with you. Let's see here. Oh, those poor people in Milwaukee don't have any power. Maybe some didn't notice. Uh, PGE claims a down power line knocked out power this morning. The southeast McLaughlin Boulevard and the River Road area. About 2,500 customers are without power. I had some other things. You know, I had three stacks of things because we've been away so long. And it's hard for me to keep track of them. Paris Hilton's inheritance has shrunk considerably. How sweet is this story? (laughs) Now, according to the New York Daily News, Hilton will now receive just... $5 million from her 80-year-old grandfather, Baron Hilton, instead of the $100 million that was reportedly expected.
1: How long do you think $5 million, uh, really, honestly speaking, how long do you think that would last Paris Hilton? Oh, a month. I mean, a month, maybe. A couple months. I mean, that woman, you know, she just obviously is, as they say, accustomed to a certain lifestyle. And as Sarah pointed out before the show... doing nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And getting her picture taken. All she's got
2: going for her are her so-called looks. And that's it. And once those go, she is screwed. But, well And those looks Unless just, she finds a sugar daddy, which uh, she probably but, uh, will but, have to.
1: But, no, see, and I don't think so. I don't think she will. I don't think Paris Hilton is capable of really landing a sugar daddy because, and I don't mean to seem lookest, but, I mean, her appearance is really just held together with Bailing Wire and Revlon. I mean, that's just... You know, if you just scrubbed her off and took a good, long look at her, she's not very attractive, Um which is fine, except that that's kind of what she's built her whole thing on. Um and if she has no money to offer a prospective suitor, really, what would a guy be marrying her for? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's got a bad reputation. She's obviously, uh, she's obviously just a complete and total C. Uh, she has no money at this point to speak of, not in the wealthy sense. So anybody with real money isn't got, could do much better than her at this point. And she, I think, just by dint of who she is, she wouldn't marry anybody poorer than herself. So I think there's a whole long lifetime of singledom, uh, poor singledom awaiting Paris Hilton, which is fantastic. So apparently,
3: uh, let's see here. The fortune, 97% of it, will go to a charitable foundation which was founded in 1944. Baron Hilton has eight children and numerous grandchildren, including ah. Paris All right.
1: Uh Let's see. Um, Let's see. Uh, I'm not going to read this email. <laughs> I'll I'm, do it. Anyway. No, no, I'm really not. not there was... Why no. Was it's... Um, this is an email I'm reading. It's not my observation. This is not something that I, Rick Emerson, am saying. I'm simply reading this email uh from our friend Mike, so-called... This is Mike who signs himself Mike, black guy in Portland. Oh. Um He just says, Rick, dude. Well, he shouldn't be too difficult to find. He just says... This is what his email says. He says... About your clothing. Try being black. Okay, I'll do it today. Uh, He says, Rick, dude, I wear a 36, but I must buy jeans in a 38 to accommodate my blackness. (laughs) I'm sorry. Do you have these jeans in a blacker size? Um, Signed, Mike, black guy in Portland. All right. Um, Let me ask you this. Just not to get ourselves all sidetracked here, but it's one of those days. I've got a guy, uh, this guy Tom, who's emailing me. He insists... And I'm not trying to cast aspersions on his mental acuity, but he insists that we interviewed a porn star, which immediately I am suspicious of because I don't think we've done that since we were at Intercom. Um Have we interviewed a single porn star since we've been here? No, nope. no, that was intercom stuff. I don't think we, we have. they were shoved at us. I mean, we did. You know, we did a lot of it there. We'd Ron Jeremy and then some other lesser that known people. That was awesome. Yeah, he's and,
2: a legend. He yeah, a star. I mean, and there are porn
1: stars that I would still interview now. I mean, we interviewed. I interviewed Christy Canyon years ago, which I'm very. I still have pictures of her uh, of me posing with her. I look terrible. She looks hot as balls as always. Um, I think. Um, God, who else did I interview? Ginger Lynn. We had on the show. Um... Ron Jeremy. Those are the three that I'm most proud of. And this,
2: like, really trashy girl with the biggest boobs.
1: <sighs> yeah, what's her name? What a, yeah, that's say her name. She was, Yeah, she was icky. Uh, and then we interviewed what's-her-name, Rachel Rotten. Uh, that was terrible as well. Uh, there's only a few porn stars left who I would really like to interview. Uh, you know, Peter North, because dudes love him. Um, let's see, who else? I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Rebecca Lord. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, I think that might be it. I think I might have interviewed all the... Oh, and Nina Hartley, because she's sort of the gold standard... Um, but this guy insists that we interviewed a porn star named Haley Page. Does that sound familiar? No. no. See, and I I emailed him back and I said, are you sure? I don't remember interviewing Haley Page. And he emailed back and he said, "He said, ask Tim and Sarah, they'll remember you doing it. Tim, Sarah?
2: Was no. that the big boob girl?
1: No. No, her name was Crystal something or other. Maybe they interviewed her on one of those weekend shows way back Because apparently Haley Page is dead. And he said, hey, that porn star you interviewed is dead, Haley Page. Check it out. And I emailed back, and I said, I don't think we ever interviewed a girl named Haley Page. And he says, ask Jim and Sarah. They'll remember it. And then he sent me an article about her death, and he said, you oh. And then he said, "You did interview a porn actress named Haley. And I don't recall that at all. I think, and I hate to say this, sir, I think you're confusing us with another radio program.
2: Yeah, I'm reading this, though, and she died when she was 25. That's not good.
1: Yeah, I... Yeah, I think he's confusing us with somebody else. I don't think we ever interviewed a porn star named Haley, uh, because I do remember most of the porn stars we've interviewed. But I, I, I don't think that was—I don't think we ever interviewed her. So I think, sir, so I think you're confusing us with a, a different COD program. By
2: smoking heroin.
1: Of course, good for her.
2: Well, allegedly they don't know because they found her body in a room in the Economy Inn. That's depressing.
1: <laughs> wow, in Van Nuys.
2: Um, her and her pornographer boyfriend disappeared. Her and her pornographer boyfriend. Um, her,
1: her parents must That's be so like, Okay, so proud. they got
2: married on August second, two 2007, and she died on August twenty first,
1: 2007. Mm. Mm. Maybe it was their honeymoon.
2: I want to stop looking at this page. It's making me feel dirty.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of heroin, I read uh, over the weekend, I finished the Starbucks book, and I read uh, Slash's autobiography, uh, which is just called Slash. Well, um, you want to talk about a guy that is lucky to be walking around. I mean, I know that rock stars tend to inflate the, their own... Uh, sort of adventures because it makes them look more rebellious and whatever. But you get the feeling with Slash that he's not exaggerating. It's like when you read that Motley Crue book, The Dirt. You really got the feeling that they they didn't really have to embellish a whole lot. They really just are that effed up. Um, it's not a perfect book. It's way too long. It could use some judicious editing. Uh, but if you're a rock fan, it's worth reading just for the Guns N' Roses stuff, just for the story of the rise and fall of Guns N' Roses. So boy, just a uh, just a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of heroin done by that guy. All right. See, now I'm getting an instant. Another guy immediately emailed back. He, Rick, show Tim and Sarah her photo. Yours is the only show I listen to.
2: No, I I looked at her photo. I've never seen her before. I, and I don't remember meeting her. And plus, she was like tw- a 25-year-old porn star. Yeah, I... Well, what's her name again? I already... Kaylee
1: Page. Uh, and that's Page, I think, P-A-I-G-E. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth.
3: From Boise comes word, firefighters returning from a medical call had to turn their hoses on their own firehouse kitchen after an overheated pan of tater tots set in to the blaze. <laughs> it was quickly extinguished, no injuries. Apparently, they're trying to determine why a computerized safety device that automatically turns off appliances when firefighters are called apparently had not been activated. But if you're cooking tater tots in a pan, even though you shut it off, the, uh, the stuff could still splatter, yeah, couldn't you know what,
1: Yeah, and you think that they would know
3: better, but... No, they didn't. Uh, so they're going to investigate it, even though they know what happened. Well done. Oh, this is nasty. This happened uh, up north, this massacre. hear about this uh, outside of Seattle. A man and a woman have been arrested in connection with the deaths of six people, three generations of the same family in a rural area outside of Seattle. Now, the pair, I guess, or one of
1: the sisters
3: and her boyfriend... We're taken to the uh, King County Sheriff's Office. The bodies were found earlier in the day at a house in Carnation. That's about 20 miles east of Seattle. Carnation's
1: a picturesque little town. That's where the cows graze. You wouldn't picture this happening there.
3: Nope. Uh, The victims were a man and his wife in their 50s, another man and woman in their 30s, and two children, a 6-year-old girl and a 3-year-old boy. They're believed to be three generations of the same family. They appear to have been shot sometime Monday. The bodies were found in and around the house, which is in a residential property in Carnation. The house sits among a cluster of residences and is at the end of a long dirt road on the edge of the woods, which is someplace nobody wants to ever live. So uh, apparently they got a 911 call and went there and they found the gate locked. So they just quit and went home. And eventually they had to go in. The Washington State Patrol plans to vigorously enforce the states a new law against sending text messages while driving. This goes into effect January 1st. Texting while driving is a bad idea, says Chief John Batiste. Things happen too fast on the highway to take your eyes off the road long enough to read or type a message. Hope all you kids are listening. Because texting while driving is a secondary violation, troopers cannot stop drivers if they see it occurring. But it could mean drivers could end up with two tickets instead of one. And when we see other driving errors, such as weaving or unsafe lane changes, we do not hesitate for a second citation. If a text message or a cell phone call requires immediate attention, pull safely off the road, won't you? Handle the matter, then go back on the road and give your driving the full attention. And parents, talk to your teenagers. Tell them
1: about the hazards involved.
3: We're getting to the Tiger
1: story now. Should we come right. back and do that after uh, the... Uh... Yeah, let's do that. Let's take a break here. Okay, I'm looking at this picture of Haley Page. Uh, I think. This was, this seems to be her. Um, yeah, we never had this... I, I don't recall ever talking to this girl. No. I
2: don't know. We have kind of bla- like blacked out some parts of Intercom. Was, I
1: wonder if it was... Well, the guy doesn't say if it was here or if it was when we were at Intercom. But I, I really think that I would I've remember. I blacked this. out most things from Intercom. I would think so. Is it true that her boyfriend's name was Chico Wang? Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll back after this more of Tim Riley. Is that Chico and the man? Yes. Chico and the, uh, seems like there's a better, like there's a joke there. Chico and the. Chico and the. No, I got nothing. Uh, Kissology Volume Three. We'll give one of those away later on. Lisa Dejardin coming up as well. You say that it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. That's good advice, Tim. I wish I'd heeded that. Well, look at it this way. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be thanked when they get married. It's 503 2970 At the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. Hello,
3: Tim. Hello there. Okay, so we, we do have uh, some bad news from around the world today. Uh, uh, violent protests over the assassination of Pakistani opposition leader Benazir Bhutto has led to a red alert by paramilitary forces nationwide. Her supporters are demonstrating across Pakistan, especially in her native province. An exclusive interview with Greta von Sestren on the record on Fox News. She uh, spoke about her supporters. Uh, quite some time ago.
0: Really, I focus on the fear that people in Pakistan feel. When I meet ordinary Pakistanis, they tell me of their insecurity about how their wives can't go to the marketplace because they never know when there's going to be a suicide bomber who's going to come and blow them up.
3: That's creepy. So that's what it is. Uh, She says she wanted to give people who want peace hope for her her country.
0: They fear when their children go to school that another suicide bomber or a roadside bomb blast won't come and take their lives. So ordinary Pakistanis are fearful of the rise of militancy, and they need somebody to give them hope and reassurance.
1: Well, Pakistan was already kind of after recently because that whole thing where Musharraf put down the the, the martial law on everybody Mm -hmm. and... So and of course
3: she, she was a smart woman too. She uh she graduated from Harvard and Oxford. Really? And her dad left uh, led Pakistan before being uh, assassinated back in '79. And she herself spent five years in prison.
1: Uh, well, and of course, like all of the countries where these things happen, Pakistan is armed to the teeth with nuclear weapons.
3: Oh yeah, we're, we're gonna get to, uh, thanks to us. Yeah, and,
1: and shares a border with another nuclear country that wishes nothing more than to see Pakistan reduced to a cinder.
3: Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see here. Are we gonna, In a, a speech shortly before her return recently, she acknowledged the danger she faced.
0: I do not know what awaits me personally or politically once I leave the airport. Ugh. I prepare. I pray for the best while I do prepare
3: for the worst. So she was make, making a speech today. And, of course, the government itself offered her no security whatsoever. No, and not. she was shot twice, and the suicide bomber blew himself up and killed, like, 20 other people Ugh. while this was going on. Uh, so, yes, we we have armed them to the teeth. Pretended, they pretended that they're our friends, of course, to, to get cheap weapons, as they always do. And uh, John McCain says uh, this is definitely a setback for America's national security interests because of the fact that Pakistan is a nuclear-armed state.
7: Uh, it's terribly uh,
9: tragic news. It's clearly a setback for the democratic process that was moving forward, and uh, it's going to embolden the radical Islamic extremists.
3: And especially when you, uh, when you kill someone young and attractive,
9: <laughs> that really...
1: It's going to set up a lot of problems. The, the ire of the world comes down. To, well, it's funny. We were going to book Steve Kastenbaum from CNN to talk about, uh, I guess, fewer people were killed this year in New York than in years past. So, well done there. Uh, but we were told that he was unavailable because he he was at home, quote, packing for his trip to Pakistan. Uh, so, they, they got that guy in a plane to Pakistan right now. Uh, so, which is... You know, and it's good for him, but his manager is a stressful place to be. I mean, yeah. I guess that's his deal though. I guess that's what he wants to do. He wants to be like an international, you know, like a hard news reporter or whatever. So uh like I Anderson Cooper type. Yes. So I don't know if we'll be able to talk to him uh, tomorrow or whatever, but I know Steve Castabam is on his way to uh, to Pakistan. Uh, Mitt Romney
3: says it's uh, time to end violence. Like, that's going to help a
4: lot. This type of Thanks, loss Mitt. of life points out, again, the need for our nation and other civilized nations of the West and of the Muslim world to come together to support moderate Islamic leaders, moderate Islamic people, to help them in their effort to reject the violence and the extreme.
1: He does sort of sound presidential in, in the sense that nothing he says registers at all with me. It's just sort of like the blandest platitudes imaginable. Yeah. Just a whole lot of teflon, uh, Teflon-coated Teflon words come out, and they sort of sound good for a second. You know what it is? First I go to the movies, you forget what you saw, like, the week after. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. He is sort of like uh, the aroma in a can of instant coffee that immediately evaporates. Like, it smells good for just a second, and then it's just sort of gone. That's what all of his statements are like.
3: Well, it's time to sell uh, Saudi Arabia some more weapons so they can turn around and kill us. Why not? Uh, The proposed sale of highly accurate bomb guidance kits to Saudi Arabia is setting the stage for a showdown. Uh, The Bush administration uh, could notify Congress by mid-January of its intention to sell joint direct attack munitions. That's called JDAM to as many as uh, 553 members of the House who have already signed a bipartisan warning to the President about this sale of technology to Saudi Arabia, our friends... Now, one of the senators says he wants the White House to uh, propose measures, quote, to prevent such systems from ever being a threat to Americans. How is that possible? So, um, yeah, we're going to sell them, uh, oh, it's only $20 billion. Okay, they
1: they only supplied 17 of the 19 hijackers. They're friendly people. They're a fine country. They They are partners in peace. Well, I was talking about this tiger because it is still a big story. Now, let me ask you this. Would it be fair... Based on this story over here, mm-hmm. Tim, uh, the one I'm pointing at. It, 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 now look at that. Now, yes. This, oh, let's. let's I mean, is it is it, is it too is it too soon? No. Okay. Here's we're, your. We're, we're pointing out speculation. Here's your Darwin watch I have a feeling the bad stuff is about to go down. Based on the news Please, reporting. My, oh,
5: oh, oh. my parents won't let me use scissors. Another one bites the dust. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Here. Oh, my heart
0: just stopped. Ah, there it goes.
3: So police are investigating whether or not the young men mauled by a tiger at the San Francisco Zoo taunted the poor animal. Uh, possibly the father of one of the victims says, uh, well, he hopes it isn't true. Of I don't course. think my son would do such a thing. No, of course not. They never think that. It's unbelievable, but only evidence can prove it. And right now, I, I can't say much. So his son, Carlos, who was 17, was one of the men attacked by the Siberian Tiger around closing time on Christmas. The cop shot the, uh, 300-pound animal to death after it killed Sousa and severely mauled two brothers who were visiting. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, police found a shoe and blood in the area between the gate and the edge of the animal's 25 to 30 foot uh, wide moat. Possibly, possibly one of the victims had dangled a leg or other body part. Ooh, did they find is another body part missing? Uh, I don't over know. The edge of maybe, the moat.
1: Maybe, maybe the puzzle is sort of incomplete at the moment.
3: I don't think this deserves to happen to anyone. Uh, taunting or not, said the father. That's not. Uh, animals uh, should be uh, protected from people, and people should be protected from animals.
1: No, if, it was, uh, if he was taunting, it was deserved.
3: Uh huh. Which is kind of strange because it's impossible for this thing to jump. So somebody threw a piece of wood or something in that. Well, that's, that
1: was my thing is how it, there's no how would it have even gotten out? That's yeah. my, you know, unless there was some sort of tomfoolery happening. Mm. So somebody wanted to make a YouTube video the way the kids do it. <laughs> exactly. For Jackass 2.5, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll be giving away next week, by the way. Uh, so, um, yeah, well, there you go. Uh,
3: the good Dr. Rochelle Dicker has a ticker. Dick- Right, Dickert, has uh, treated two survivors of the tiger attack.
0: They're in good spirits, and they look absolutely fantastic. They have youth going for them, and a lot they of good behind them when they first came in here. I they look better that, than
1: ever. I find that hard to believe. Why, <laughs> Why not let a tiger in small <laughs> unit? I've never looked better. I've never looked better. <laughs> uh,
3: Dr. Dickert. Says uh, she has cleaned the patients and stitched them up. All right
0: now all the wounds look really clean. Because our EMS service did a fantastic job getting here quickly. And That's we were horrifying. able to mobilize our operating room very quickly uh-huh. to take care of these and wash them out and clean them up.
3: Wash them out. Uh, Dr. Dicker, who said the two men got away with only skips and scratches?
0: They actually came in here with a very stable blood pressure. I, I think a lot mold. of that has to do with the beauty of youth. <laughs> these two uh, men were in very good attack. shape, and I don't know how much blood they lost in the field, but by the time they got here, they really were very, very stable, not close to death.
1: Minor scrapes and scrapes. They were tied by Daniel the tiger. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have various tiger experts here. There's no end to them. And they found all
3: these tiger experts on Christmas. Immediately. So don't well, ask me where they came from, but I have, around. I have several of them. So uh, first is, uh, uh, let's see, uh, tiger expert Dan Solami. He uh, works at the Animal Planet. He says it's no surprise that tigers are born to kill.
7: They're very predictable in the <laughs> fact that these guys are perfect predators. And no matter where they are born, whether it be the wild or the zoo, these things are dangerous and are willing to and want to kill if given the opportunity.
3: So how about uh, Jack Hanner? I would say he would be at the top of the list. Absolutely. Uh, Jack Hanner Hannah, the executive director or former of the Columbia, Ohio Zoo, says tigers usually aim for one area.
4: The tiger usually, uh, when it does make a kill, usually goes for the upper upper part of the body. And, of course, that can be fatal to anyone. I mean, 145 million people went to zoos last year. And, and yes, accidents happen. But it's something that's a, it's a real safe place to go to. Uh huh.
3: For the whole family. So now we go down the list. <laughs> the list of tiger experts. Uh, Dan Stockdale uh, runs... Tigerguy.com. And, uh, Sounds reputable. <laughs> he is uh, surprised by the attack. Tigers are
4: not out there hunting for sport. When they act aggressively, it's normally uh, out of fear or out of uh, search for food. That so, is you know, stunning. To just randomly go after an individual is highly unusual.
1: What does it sound in the background? It's only someone coughing. All right.
3: Uh, Dan Stockdale, the head of TigerGuy.com, dot com. Guess TigerGuy.com
1: sounds like something else, by it the way. Does, does I make. just picture a lot of men stretched on bearskin rugs, holding champagne flutes. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, the safety standards do not depart the, the zoo. Now, how do you know that?
4: There's some sort of a safety protocol breakdown when these incidents occur. From what I've heard, there's a moat surrounding this exhibit. They've never seen However, what he's heard, no. From access. what he, from you what he, he read online, so there's more than likely been some sort of a safety protocol issue.
1: From what That's I, a tiger guy tiger tigerguy.com. From what I gleaned from the various spark forums that I was uh, frequenting earlier in the day. All right. And was, they were looking for somebody from Tiger Beat, but they were available. There you go. Is that the end of the uh, Darwin Watch? That is, Yeah. There's your Darwin Watch don't, for a Thursday. Don't, don't. Oh, it's Thursday already. It is. Don't,
5: don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. And another one the And another one down. Another one bites the dust. Hell.
1: Uh, let's see. Oh, this is funny. I got two emails back-to-back. Back. Rick, it is snowing like a mother effer at Lloyd Center right now.
2: Ooh, maybe it's snowing outside. Does Tim want to do some investigative reporting?
1: Hold on. The guy immediately emailed two minutes later. Never mind. It just turned to a dreary, miserable rain. Sorry. So, it was snowing. Now, not so much. Look at my glove. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh Okay, hold on. Let's see. Do I have other observations to make here? We never got the housekeepers and windows things uh, answered, by the way. Um, who wants to hear another random observation that I wrote down to myself? No, oh, I do. So I, I are... had it's. In, it would be incorrect to say that I had a dream about Nick Lachey, but I had a dream in which in which Nick Lachey was present for some reason. And I, I don't know why. I had this dream where I was in a restaurant. I was walking through a restaurant. And some of the tables had strangers, but some of the tables had people that I sort of knew, uh, either from television or whatever. And Nick Shay and what's her name, Alyssa Milano or whatever that girl is, they, they were sitting at one of the tables. And then I woke up and I actually jotted this down to myself. And I still, even now that I'm awake, I don't know the answer. I wrote down this question. This is from 1:32 in the morning. What does Nick Shay do? How does Nick Shay pay the bills? I mean, he doesn't get alimony just, from Jessica Simpson, as far as I know.
2: I bet he's one of those international advertisers.
1: You think? Because 98 Degrees didn't... I challenge anybody in this room to sing a 98 Degrees song. Oh, I can't think See? of See? I can sing I a Backstreet Boys song. I can sing and sing songs. I'm not ashamed of that. I don't know a single song by 98 Degrees. I'm not saying they didn't have some level of success, but it doesn't seem like... I mean, you always hear about bands who have to sell three and four platinum records. Before they make any money, 98 Degrees had no presence on the pop culture radar except for the fact that Nicolas Shea came from that group. So I can't think he's making any money off that. And the residuals, like the royalties on 98 Degrees recordings have got to be almost non-existent. So well, how much out of 99 cents does he get? That's what I'm... Exactly. So I'm saying, like, what does he do? And that girl he's with, it's not like she's paying all the bills. So... You think that it's all because like he advertises some weird like Japanese energy drink or something overseas, like in some he does like a Vinny Chase thing of advertising stuff around the world that no in the in, in commercials that no one in America will ever see. I mean, that's, it's got to be something like that because that guy is sort of always in the in the cultural consciousness. He's always on the cover of magazines, but he doesn't really do anything. He just sort of sits there and has pretty blue eyes. I mean, that's kind of his deal. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley.
3: Well, if you haven't gone to the store yet to do some exchanges, uh, some people have. Of course, there are some big post-Christmas sale discounts to be found out there if you look carefully enough. Uh, Shopper Joe says he's uh, going to be using up the gift cards he received for Christmas.
0: You get, the card, you, know, you get the money back on the gift card, and you just don't want to have those gift cards lying in your wallet, so you go and you spend the money, you end up spending more.
3: He's also returning items to stores. Mostly
0: Macy's and the children's place. So we had to bring back a lot of coats and clothes for the winter.
1: Wait, he's know. returning everything to the children's place? Yeah. So there's some tragic story behind that I that we're not of. privy to? Not that I know of. Okay. It's like that, um, did, you ever read, did you ever read that short story, a very short story, it, that uh, Ernest Hemingway took part in this thing called the six-word story contest, where you had to write a story. in. It was a story that had to be six words long, exactly. Um so Hemingway, this, Hemingway wrote this really disturbing one, of course, and he actually, according to legend, he considered it the best thing he'd ever written. It was the the deal was you had to write a, a, a write a story or a sketch of life or whatever using six words, and Hemingway's was so dark it was for sale. Baby shoes, never used. <gasps> oh. Isn't that creepy? Oh. <laughs> so that's exactly what I thought of it. Here. Well, we're returning a lot of stuff this year. Mostly to the baby store. <laughs> I wonder if there was some sort of some sort of dark uh, behind-the-scenes aspect of that story. Like they, uh, you know, like they just sold the baby to gypsies or something. All right, here's Tim O'Reilly. Well, it looks like
3: the music business was saved by old gray white men. Musical acts whose debut recordings were made three decades ago dominated the North American concert business in 2007. To the surprise of no one... Uh, the police topped the chart by taking in $131.9 million for 54 North American shows. Outdistancing number two, Kenny Chesney, who made $71 million. Uh The police and Chesney were the only acts to sell more than one million tickets in 2007. Kenny Chesney, really? Yeah. Uh, the police reunion tour had an average ticket price of $114. Jesus. And sold $1.15
1: million. I cannot... Fathom. You couldn't pay me $114 to watch The Police.
3: Now, the second highest ticket price, Barry Manilow, $141.72. Wow. That's Barry, though. He played the bulk of his 98 shows at the Las Vegas Hilton. Chesney barely squeaked past Justin Timberlake, who grossed $70.6 million through 60 concerts. Two other reunited bands, Van Halen and Genesis, landed in the top ten. The David Lee Roth-led edition of Van Halen pulled in $56.7 for 39 dates to land in fifth place. Bill Collins. Oh, Phil, Phil Collins. Collins and his mates scored 47.6 million Phil. for 25 shows.
1: Phil Collins.
3: Phil Collins. Uh, is it Phil Collins and Genesis or just Phil Collins? It just says Phil Collins. And his mates.
1: But for what was Phil Collins touring?
3: Was he, did he, he, he have a
1: record of something? Sarah?
3: 25 shows. He 20
1: did 25 shows.
2: Doesn't he do a bunch of Disney songs or something? I don't
1: know. We, I only. Well, the don't... only way for an artist to make money now is to constantly be on tour. <laughs> yeah, or I mean that—that's like the Eagles. It's like nobody's buying that new Eagles record. No. Uh, and so you know you gotta go on the road and just play Hotel California for the billionth time. Uh, okay. Well, two things. It's funny that, that Phil Collins gets brought. Oh, apparently, it's snowing at 82nd and Burnside. Um, to cover the filth, I feel. <laughs> I feel like Faye Dunaway in Network. Are they shouting in Brooklyn? Uh, so, the thing about Phil Collins, first of all, I felt really, really old last week when I was rehearsing the radio play with Sarah Wagner, who played uh, my high school girlfriend, and so there's that... There's you that could be her father. Yes, I know. I feel so dirty.
2: I don't think you could be her father.
1: No, well, I don't know how... She, you were like you could be a cool dad. I don't know how... I could She's be a rock and roll age. dad. I could be a punk rock dad.
2: You could be an alternate dad.
1: Did you see that that guy from... um? That guy from Pennywise has written a book called Punk Rock Dad. Yeah, the lead singer from Pennywise, whatever his name is, blah blah blah, Lindeberg or whatever that guy. Yeah, it's Punk Rock Dad. And so he's on the front with his two daughters who are like have mohawks and he's like holding a guitar in one hand and like a teddy bear in the other. So it's the most emasculating thing. Um I don't know how how old Sarah Wagner is. I could not I could be Too her, my age. I could be her much, much older brother. Um but we were rehearsing the whole um the whole high school scene and there's that line where she goes, Rick, this is the third Christmas in a row you've stood me up to play Dio to no one. And we're doing the rehearsal. I don't mean to make fun of her, but we're doing the rehearsal. And she, and she goes, she goes, Rick, this is the third Christmas in a row you've stood me up to play Dio to no one. And I said, what? And she goes, is it
2: Dio? I wouldn't know unless I worked with you.
1: And I said, no, 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 it's Dio. And she goes, what's Dio? And i I'm like, what's Dio? And I said, you know. Run it, Ronnie James Dio, and she just kind of goes, "I don't know what that is." And I had to, I had to explain that he was a rock and roll singer from years past. So I felt really old. That's like when Sarah, though, when we were watching the Live Aid video, and Sarah goes, "Is Phil Collins a drummer?" Which is just, cause he I was...
2: still don't understand.
1: Okay, here's the thing: Phil Collins was the drummer for Genesis. Okay. Uh, all through the seventies until Peter Gabriel. Well, I think even after Peter Gabriel left, um, he was the. Dr- Do you know that Peter Gabriel used to be in Genesis? Yes. Okay. So Peter Gabriel was the lead singer. Phil Collins was the drummer. Peter Gabriel left to do a solo career. Phil Collins remained the drummer but became the lead singer for Genesis all through the 80s, like the Invisible Touch era and the We Can't Dance era. Um, And then he then struck out for a solo career. Uh, But, yeah, Phil Collins, his original gig was drummer for Genesis. So, but that then led to my whole thing about Phil Collins. It's so bizarre to think that Phil Collins was once a rock and roll star. I mean, I remember it being in um, like seventh, eighth, ninth grade and getting like the, like the sister studio era and the, you know, no jacket required and uh, the, but seriously era where Phil Collins was considered, it seems strange to say, really hip and cool. And I, I don't know if he was really hip at the time. And now times have just changed so much. Around him, that it's you it, can see it. Or if he wasn't even cool then, and I was just too retarded to know it. Like if I thought he was cool then, but he really wasn't. So it's astonishing. He, he was kind of like the Ryan Seacrest of adult contemporary. Really, honestly, and it's, it's, and it's insane that that guy was ever allowed to become a rock star because he wore like bad sport coats from Sears Roebuck and was bald, and not cool bald, like uh, you know, not like not like hip bald, like that guy from Live or like uh, you know, Jean-Luc Picard. I mean, he was just balding, like he was George Costanza, basically. He had that hair, and then he just, like, wore all of these terrible, like, jacket and blazer combinations. I know I don't mean to sound like Mr. Blackwell, but it's just astonishing that the guy was, like, a rock star. And you know what else is astonishing? When you sit and you look at the list of hits that Phil Collins has, and you realize how many Phil Collins songs you know, because it's... um. I mean, even if you can, you know, if you count the Genesis ones, it's even longer, but he has, um, what he has, a uh, uh Studio, uh, Take Me Home, um, uh, Against All Odds, um, uh, uh, In the Air Tonight, uh, I Wish It Would Rain Down, Something Happened On the Way to Heaven, um, Another Day in Paradise. I mean, it's just like hit after hit after hit. So I think we all had some weird collective psychosis or something as a nation for about nine years where we allowed Phil Collins to rack up all of these hits. So there's
3: still a big appetite for blandness because Billy Joel made 31 million
1: dollars. Appetite for blandness.
3: I'm, it's an insatiable appetite for blandness as Billy Joel makes 39 million. Phil, Billy Joel. Uh, Billy Joel.
1: Another, no, no, Billy Joel's another one of those guys. It's like it, it, It's like why? How did this happen? <laughs> Why was it allowed to happen? Why wasn't it stopped? I don't know. Why, why has, does it continue to Why count? hasn't someone stepped in and done what needs to be done? Um, I mean, how many times can you hear Piano Man? I mean, for the love of Christ. Well, whatever. It, 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 here's the thing about Billy Joel being so popular. I could understand it, and I really do mean this sincerely. I could understand it here on KCMD Portland. It's like. Somebody said you need a simple name that people can remember. Uh, How about Billy Joel? Is Billy Joel not his real name? I don't think so. It can't be. No. That can't be his real name. No. It, you're right. It does sound like one of those. Um, like like one of the, It sounds like a radio name, doesn't it? <laughs> Billy Joel, with you, you know. Uh, and then of course, you know, you'd have the guy with the inversion. You'd have like Joel Williams in the afternoon. Uh, Billy Joel. I wonder if that's... Is it, is it covering up a name, do you suppose, that's just uh, hard to pronounce, or is it covering up some ethnic name that he wished to, to, to get rid of?
2: No, his name is William Joseph Martin Joel.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. I don't buy it. No. Nope. Somebody was paid with a uh, envelope of cash. I was going to say, there's a cover-up happening right there. Um, well, I'm thinking, you know, like, Manalo, Barry Manalo's name is not... I don't know where he got Manilow from, actually. Um, his real name is Barry Allen Pincus, mm-hmm. which is just, like, the worst name ever. Um Here's the thing about Billy Joel. How much money did he make this year, does it say? $39.1 million. $39 million. It's very unfair. And, of course, some, some wiseacre, yeah, but half of that goes to Texas. You know, and it's like, I can understand that if they were, and I know this will sound strange at first, but I can understand it if they were all young people going to see him. If it was all people Sarah's age going to see Billy Joel, that would at least make some kind of sense.
2: I'd go see Billy Joel. Because have I seen Billy? I don't know if I have.
1: It would make some kind of sense because it's like you are young enough to not be burned out and all that stuff. It would be like, you know, it's like me going to see The Eagles. Maybe maybe not now, but maybe, yeah, when I was like, like I saw Paige and Plant uh, at the Delta Center in Salt Lake when I was 23, I think. And it's because I was still 23, and, you know, I'd see them now. But it's, you know, but it, 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 as a young person, like, Zeppelin was still kind of new to me, sort of, relatively speaking. Just like Billy Joel is sort of new to Sarah in a relative sense. So if it was all people Sarah's age going to see Billy Joel, I could understand that. I'd be like, okay, you know, the, the, she hasn't heard The Entertainer 500,000 times. But you know that's not the case, because Billy Joel, don't you just know this in your gut without even verifying it? Don't you know in your gut somehow, in, in your bones, that those tickets were like $170 each? Which let, would let you know that it's all the kink audience. It's all just a bunch of... It's just let a, me get on my dial-up and see if I can score some. Ex- exactly. It's a whole bunch of, like, graying ponytail dicks in the front row, clutching their blackberry curves, uh sitting there calling their other uh, gray-haired dick friends and just sitting there going, Listen, I'm at the Billy Joel show. Do you want to go outside later and smoke a J? jay? You, you know, I think they called it a doobie. <laughs> totally. Do you want to go line up? Let's go. Let's go line up before we before uh, before we before we, uh, before we uh, stop by. Uh, never mind. Anyway, I'm just doing a whole thing. But um. Anywho. Um. What was my point? Oh, so Billy Joel made a 31 yes. million dollars. F him. Sorry. And the biggest loser of all,
3: posting her lowest tally for her five year run in Wait, Vegas. Hold on, Celine Dion. Yep. Sixty five million, you loser. Really? Only sixty five Only million. Sixty five. Alright. She's lost her touch.
1: <sighs> Alright. Uh hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
4: Hey Rick. Hey. Delivery man Dwight.
1: Hey, what's up, sir?
4: Something's burning right down there by intercom. We don't care. No.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: it's hey, a Rick. big fire. For the win. Uh no, it's just, fire. Yeah, uh I was just coming up by five south. I saw the black smoke, looked over, huge flames right by the intercom place there.
1: And, now, uh, when you is
2: say, it right by or, is it right by
1: yeah. or is it the Intercom place?
4: Well, I'm driving over there to look right now. I had to make a delivery, but uh, I hope it's not the Spaghetti. Uh, it looked like it was right on top of
1: it. Oh man, I hope it's not the Spaghetti Factory. They yeah. got that Mizziffa cheese. It's a second.
4: They're so close to
1: it. Really. it was a
4: second story window that I saw flames coming out of. I, coming out of. Mm. I believe Intercom is a that's a single
1: story, story building. building. There is well, that weird. There's that spring ma- manufacturing company or whatever that's right next to them. I think the whole Intercom structure is only one story.
3: I'm yeah, pretty sure. as, as I recall. Well, we don't have to worry about people getting hurt at
1: intercom. No. <laughs> nobody in the, <laughs> the building. precious automation equipment will be saved. Jeff McGinley's exactly. in there right now wrapping everything in plastic.
4: <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, behind, uh, behind the Christmas, absolutely brilliant. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for that. The radio play was great. Thank uh you. Congratulations on the National Enquirer hookup. Oh,
1: yeah. No, no, that's that was Richie great. Bristol. That is Richie yeah, Bristol. did yeah. you know about that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's Again, fantastic. Scotty Who. Yes, exactly. After sir.
4: yesterday's best of. Speak for all of us, my friend. Yeah. And then Paris Hilton. Yeah. First, we've got Storm. We've got Sarah.
1: I'm sorry. I missed part of it. Your phone dropped out.
4: Oh, I, I said uh, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, all of them. Who cares? The day will uh. come when Storm and Sarah will be there. Oh, all right. thank, thank you, you. sir yeah well they're smart these I'm, girls are dumb I'm <laughs> get
7: it I'm Timmy uh, Ryan all right yeah. thank you
1: thank you bye know
3: all right yes yeah. so I wonder if intercom is burning now
1: I don't know
2: no Squid but've told me by now
1: no unless he was the first to die
3: <laughs> I'm sorry
1: I'm sure he's not dead he would be smoked squid
7: hi I'm Timmy Ryan You've uh, got I can see that becoming yeah. a thing. You've got
1: to stop You're it now. you Show. Hello.
7: Yeah, afternoon. I was just going to tell
9: you a comment on Billy Joel. His first album, he went under the name of Billy Martin.
1: Really? That seems ill-advised.
9: Yeah, well, especially in New York in yeah. the 70s. But uh, he did change it back. His his real name is Billy Mar- uh, Billy Joel. And I would have gone to go see him, but you're right. The tickets were 175 bucks. I said no.
1: Yeah, no, I I just can't. I mean, don't get me. We talked about this before, this weird dynamic of liking a lot of Billy Joel's music, but I just hate him personally for some reason. And he's never done anything. I've never met him. But, well, but I just he, but, dislike but, him so. And he just seems like such a bastard.
9: Well, think about it. He's like Matthew Broderick. He can't drive straight. He's always going to run off the road and kill somebody. You, you, you got You can't like a guy like that.
1: Well, and you know, he. You got to give him points though for interesting suicide attempt because he did that thing when he was like 19. and He drank a bottle of shoe polish. That is an uh, interesting way to go. No, it's it's a good way to try to go. So, which which song is that about? I I don't know. <laughs>
3: uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go.
1: He did write the Downeaster Alexa, which is one of the the all-time great songs, but yeah, he just if I could just listen to his music without him around uh Rick, for people like Sarah who may not know Phil Collins, she would recognize that famous drum part from in the air tonight, probably the most famous drum fill in all of rock and roll i, I might I might agree with that you know in the air tonight obviously
5: do 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 doom
1: doom. Wow, that sounded really dumb just now. Like, if you didn't know what I was doing, that just makes me sound like an absolute douche.
2: What is it? D- Wait, I know it. I don't know it.
5: Like, You saw me rise with you drowning. Would not bend a hand. Seen your face before my friend. Hope you know What's it called?
2: In Who the air I am?
1: Tonight? Are you are you scoring with me? No, I can't well, tell. I might know but I don't You've know. You've got that tone in your voice. like You might be winding me up a little bit. You don't know well, in the like, air you're tonight. like you
2: thinking of the Lion King song.
1: <laughs>
2: Dan, it's in the air tonight.
1: Do, do 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 If you're old or stoned, that's hilarious. Here's Tim
3: Riley. So the uh, Rolling Stone movie critic Peter Travers is weighing in on the worst movie of the past year. Among his most disappointing, in his opinion, was Pirates
1: of the Caribbean at World's End. And yeah, I'm really disappointed because I expected so much out of that.
3: He says uh, sequels are killing Hollywood.
9: You take something that's successful, like the first Pirates, everybody enjoyed it. Johnny Depp was terrific in it. Strongly and this then you do mountain. it again. And then you do it again. And so you watch the actors and they look like they don't know where they are or what they're doing. That they're doing it simply for the paycheck.
1: I think we found our Peter Carlin East, by the way. It sounds like the movie Doctor's grew up. <laughs> is that the extent of Peter Travers' observation?
3: Uh, let's see. Among his other worst movies, I haven't seen
1: any of these, so I don't know. Let's agree. run them down. The Mist. What? Okay, now. The, what? Whoa, whoa. He said that was one of the worst movies of the year? Yeah, he is dead to me. I, I hope The Mist takes Peter Travers. Georgia Rule. Uh, well, that was awful. I saw that on the plane back from London. You it saw was terrible. That? It was on the plane. Oh, uh, back from oh, stuff London. Oh, that
2: like that like that cancels it out. There are many other options on the plane. It was on the plane there and back.
1: That and Rise of the Silver Surfer, I Fantastic Four oh, Two, God. Uh, What's that? Yes, yeah, that was okay. awful. Uh, the Heartbreak Kid. Uh, oh, that's that Ben Stiller remake <gasps> that I never oh. bothered to see. Yeah,
2: I know. In the Air Tonight. Of course you do. Of course I do. Mm-hmm. Norbit.
1: Oh, the Eddie Murphy. That movie was apparently so bad that I kind of want to see it. I want to watch it because it's apparently awful. Uh, but a lot of the criticism directed at Norbit seemed to be from a lot of like social activists who were upset at the way that it depicted like fat people or certain segments of the black community or something. And it did sound a little bit like it was just a bunch of hand-wringing, you know, for the sake of hand-wringing. And I do like Eddie Murphy. He is a legitimately funny man, so I do kind of want to see that. Evan Almighty. Oh, you know, I never saw that and don't plan to. It's a PG God film, so no.
3: Uh, I love the time of uh, Clorox or Chloria or something. Oh, Cholera. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Clor- Clorox. Okay.
3: Uh, Lions for Lambs.
1: Oh, that's we gave away tickets to that. Apparently it was a big piece of ass. That. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, Mr. McGoriam's Wonder Emporium. Um,
1: all I know about that movie is that when Scott Daly came to get my couch uh, this week, which he did, the couch is now gone out of my living room, Scott and his dad and his uh, and Scott's two uh, little children came over. Kids never pull their weight with that kind of thing, by the way. Uh, So the kids came over, and one of them was clutching like an inflatable dirigible uh, that said Mr. Magorium's Magical Emporium on the side of it. That's all I know about that movie, is that apparently it's for children because they plastered the name of the film on many uh, child oriented gewgaws. All right. Uh, Let's uh, welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, From the Hill. Radio Correspondent of the Stars, the one and only Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Well, hello. How was your weekend? How was your holiday?
10: Oh, it was delightful. How was yours?
1: It was fantastic. I sat around and did a whole lot of nothing. Nothing.
10: Oh, that's beautiful.
1: I sat on my sofa. Uh, Let me just tell you uh, about my (laughs) wax. talk
10: about your sofa a lot. Can you tell me what kind of sofa it is? I feel like I need to know at this point.
1: Well, there were two different sofas. Uh, Wait, are you (laughs)
10: mocking me? No, no, I'm serious. I really want to know.
1: I have three sofas, actually. I uh, I have one sofa and a love seat. So that's getting wow. like, like a two little like a like a two section there. But for the longest time, long story short, my wife or wife, uh who, who I love, um, <laughs> she bought this sofa to go in our basement, which she is remodeling. Okay. Not realizing until it was too late that the sofa couldn't fit down the stairs and into the basement. Like it was too big to get into the basement. There was no way to get it down there without chainsawing it apart. Um. So the couch then sat in my living room for about I don't know five six weeks. While we tried to find somebody to buy it. Um, And it made the living room unusable. It rendered the other sofas unusable because this sofa blocked the view of the television. And my dog, who, uh, who I do love but who I have to tolerate sometimes, my dog consumed an entire package of blueberries... And then hurled the back onto the carpet, and I was un- and I, I was unable to get the carpet cleaned because the sofa was in the way. So the sofa was posing all kinds of problems, and I finally got a recently single friend of ours uh, to come by and pick up the sofa and take it back to his now swinging bachelor pad. So uh, <laughs> so I managed. I finally did manage to get rid of the sofa. Um, no, my week, my holiday. Yes. It was the best Christmas I've had in some time. Wow. Um, and it, it, I really, this is one of the reasons why I love my wife, and I mean this sincerely. Um. On Christmas Eve, before everything closed, um, I was here, kind of finishing up some last-minute details and getting our best ups ready to play and everything. My wife went out and she did two things. First, she hit a place called Pasta Works, uh, which is a sort of quasi upscale uh, food store here, okay. uh, and sort of a you know sort of a big deli with a lot of like kind of expensive you know whatever. Um uh, sisi, so, yeah. Yeah, she went there and she blew however many dollars buying just a huge ton. Of just a ton of, re- of like really great food from this like 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 a lot of really like great kind of gourmet like cheese and like okay. s- snack meats of all varieties and whatever and just a whole bunch of really great bit a little upscale kind of snack food and then she went down the street to the supermarket and she hit like every junk food aisle in the store and so she came home with two large bags one of them full of sort of upscale snack food the other one full of just like pizzas made out of cardboard. And, like, big things of spray-on cheese. And that was the supplies that we laid in for Christmas and Christmas, you know, oh. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Uh, and uh, so yeah, so between that and, like, 15 different movies and just a whole lot of sitting around doing a lot of nothing, that was our Christmas. It was just eating every variety of calorie-laden food imaginable and wallowing uh, in, the, in the sweet, succulent nectar that is electronic media.
10: <laughs> Isn't it true? It okay. is, and It's fantastic.
1: So, uh, how about you and, uh, Sporbert? What did you, I'm sorry, Jason, what did no, you, because he's no longer Sporbert. What did well, you guys um, do?
10: Among friends, he's still Sporbert. So I, I, include all of you guys in that for sure. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, it was great. It was kind of disgusting. It was, uh, we actually, we did a quick, uh, we went up Sunday morning, six and a half hour drive to Connecticut to see, uh, his family, uh, drove back Monday morning, like at eight. So it was like a really quick trip up there, came back, and then, uh, his mom, is just nobody does christmas like her she's she's a kind of person she's had kind of a tough life and so she's not you know altogether friendly to people she doesn't know but christmas she's out of control she gave us 28 presents
8: 28?
10: Yeah at least i stopped counting at 28 and some of them were bags with multiple presents in the bag so I I stopped. I mean, it was it was out of con- it's out of control. It took me like the rest of the day when I got back to put them away, figure out what we were doing with everything. Would
1: she uh, perhaps welcome a somewhat roguishly charming uh, broadcaster into the bosom of her family?
10: I think that she would.
1: Sounds be. like the place to be.
10: I think she would. It was it was a really it was a good place to be, and you know, among the presents were uh, really kind of ridiculous Christmas pajamas that we wore and. It was it was just nice that my family came over on Christmas Day and it was all it was hunky dory. It was
1: fantastic. Uh, among the uh, things my wife gave me for Christmas was a half pound of Applewood bacon. So oh, there you go.
10: oh man, wow! So,
1: Christmas at the Emerson household is fantastic.
10: Wow, we can talk. We can swap some good stuff here.
1: It's true. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, th- one more time, thank you uh, again so much for your participation in Friday's radio play. Uh-huh.
10: It was outstanding. You know, I was worried. I was telling you know Richie before I got on with you that I was worried you you weren't happy with it, and I thought it was fantastic.
1: Uh, no, no, no. Everything, everything went really well. Everything was, it was wonderful. she was
10: great, the director. She was great, and she was really hardcore. I mean, she was break. You know, she was on the phone with me, and she was she really had a vision, and it was awesome.
1: No, she's uh, she's fantastic. I was
10: really impressed.
1: Yeah, she and I have done uh, got uh, innumerable projects together at this point. We've done. Uh, three different films, and uh, we did a TV, a short-lived TV series here, and we've done a bunch of stage plays together, and we did this. So yeah, she is she is really worth her weight in platinum.
10: Yeah, you could um, tell she's great. Yeah, it, so, was a, it was a good time.
1: Uh, if you want, uh, I don't know if Richie has already done this, but we can hook you up with a copy. of That we can. Uh,
10: that's awesome. Put it on CD told or, everybody About it, yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll send it your way, or maybe I'll put it online and, and give you a little link to it. Yeah, so that's good. Too. Links it.
10: are good. Exactly.
1: Um, all right. Well, let's see, okay. talk about a, a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, and I'm just gonna lead with this as they say hey actually can can you pause for 10 seconds do you mind i have to finish this cup of coffee or my brain is going to stop working (laughs) hold on just one second
10: Ah, all right there we go
1: fantastic all right, moving nice, on.
10: Nice fade as well on the end of the music.
9: It's
1: what I do. Yeah. Uh, so I got this email from somebody, and this is really not a news story as such. It's just an observation. Okay. Uh, this, it says, uh, Rick. Uh, My wife and I were watching Entertainment Tonight, and they did a little profile at Hillary Clinton. They showed her on one of her typical campaign days, and it was so awkward to watch Hillary try to be loose and personable for the camera, especially considering the demographic that usually watches Entertainment Tonight. She's the very definition of trying too hard. Um, He said... um, he said, uh, the worst moment of all was when they showed Bill and Hillary getting onto a plane, and then they had a last-minute soundbite with Hillary. She said, and I'm quoting now, this is Hillary Clinton speaking, she says, Oh, when Bill and I finally got to the hotel the other night, I was so happy to see him. I told Bill, it's great to have a little HBT, which is human being time. Oh, no. And then the guy says, both of us cringed because it was just so forced. It was one step away from Hillary ending something in shizzle. So uh, there you go. I mean, it, it, he says what made it even worse is that it had nothing to do with a marriage. Can you imagine if you told your wife you liked spending time with her because it was human being time? Not special spouse time or even something vaguely personal, just human being time. So Hillary Clinton is...
10: Well remember she, she was accused of uh, and I I think actually the sound supported this of uh you know putting on a bit of a black accent when she was in the black church. It's true. You know so this this is not the first that we've seen her really uh you know working work, working to relate.
1: It does she she does sort of seem to be I don't know. Method acting isn't the right way to put it, but she does sort of. You get the feeling that she sits at home watching news clips of of other people who have actual emotions and feelings and real human responses, and then she just works on acting like that guy. You know? I think
10: there are so many layers going on here that I think it was a, a long. It was before she came to Washington, but it certainly was uh, increased when she was in Washington. That, that she's very smart and savvy. That she just turned off all her emotions publicly. I think for a long time. I think when she was out in front in Arkansas, and then when she was first lady, and I think especially during the Clinton uh, White House. But I think when she ran for Senate, everyone said, "Hey, listen, you can't, you can't do that. You've got to try. You know, you've got to get back to the baking cookies bit that you were kind of putting out there right. during the Clinton White House." So, so. You know since she kind of I think had compartmentalized all you know to i guess borrow Bill Clinton attribute to her emotions, you know she was then had to on top- you know keep those down below, and then on top of that's the professional level then on top of that is sort of this public show of emotion thing so i I think there's a lot of layers there I think she really did private can be a real person, but I think that she just, it's been so long since she's done that in public, I think it's just very difficult for her. Do you suppose that
1: she knows that if she lets herself be real in public too long, it's just a countdown of seconds until she screams (laughs) at someone? You know what I mean? Because you do get the feeling that she's just that she's kind of a you know, you'll pardon my blue language, she's a little bit of a ball buster.
10: Yeah, and, definitely and, she comes across that way. And so she, yeah,
1: she doesn't want to let herself go too much because somebody will cross her and she'll just like raise her voice and shriek at him, Cruella DeVille style. And so <laughs> she just has to keep the whole thing tamped
10: down. And I will say she's not the only politician I think that's true of. But I, but I think she is one of those examples. For example, like Rick Santorum, for example, the very conservative former senator of Pennsylvania, uh, at the very end of his campaign last year just was brutal and bitter to some people. He had he yeah. ran the voters that would come at him on the camp. You know, he would just snap at them. <laughs> at the end. he didn't care. I'm so
1: happy that we get to put the word former in front of his title now. <laughs> really, it's. That was like a little Christmas present in and of itself when that happened.
10: Um, so. I think, but you've got a point about Hillary, and now it's interesting because her whole new, last week, or I think now a week and a half ago, uh, new campaign that she launched was the Hillary I know, and she literally had. Uh, people who were her friends in elementary school, going uh-huh. around Iowa and also calling the media and talking about how Hillary was like a crossing guard. I think she was a safety patrol or something like that <laughs> in element you know and so it really has gotten kind of this extreme end and and she would she kind of was no longer i always thought one of hillary clinton's uh, greatest vulnerabilities is is her voice. I think she has a little bit of a shrill voice. It grates. And I, and I, exactly. And I but I you in the last week and a half she has she kind of talks more like this, Ugh. a little bit quieter, a little bit of a hush.
8: Well, that's just creepy.
10: You know. And so, but you know, but she's she's trying to tone it down. And who knows? It's it's it is a horse race. It might it might work for her, might not. I don't
1: think so. I think it works for her to be. Really, yeah, sort of mannish and be okay. a badass. No, yeah. it's true. You you can say that on the so show.
10: Worried about getting bleeped on your air? No, no,
1: no, 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 no. You know it, it's fine. You can okay. um, uh, you very. I think you've 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 used up your one bleep. I don't think it'll happen again. Okay, all right. No, but it, but I think I think people want to know. Let's be honest. If people, if Americans are to be believed, and that some of the hard issues we're facing now are things like terrorism and war and whatever, you want to sort of Margaret Thatcher in there. You know what I mean? Somebody somebody knows he can put the put the big metal boot on somebody. So, right,
10: that's tricky for her. She's trying to walk both those lines. She is trying to be at once the Iron Lady of America. And on the other hand, she's trying to be sort of like your best girlfriend. Right. And, it's, and it, you know, it's not really how Margaret Thatcher was. So, but I don't know, that's what every politician these days is trying to walk both lines, and it gets just very ugly and muddled and annoying. Uh,
1: now, the Drudge had this uh, story this morning, and I didn't get a chance to read it a whole lot, but there's been so much made of Hillary losing momentum recently, but I guess that some latest poll puts her up like double Obama in Iowa. So uh, I don't know where we hit, where because that's what, a week out?
10: It's a week out, but, you know, it, it is hard to say. One thing that Jessica Yellen, who is um, our newish uh, CNN correspondent here on the Hill, she's in Iowa right now. Her line that she was saying yesterday as she's going to these Clinton and Obama rallies is she said... Clinton is really drawing an older crowd in Iowa, and that Obama has really got you know mayhem of college students, all these younger folks that you know 20s, 30s that are crazy about Obama. Clinton more upper 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, and you know that does skew towards Clinton. It it seems like Obama, you know, you would want someone who is kind of gets youth excited, but the truth is that younger people don't vote. They don't vote. Do so you may be seeing some of that reflected in these polls, but honestly. The truth about Iowa, I know we kind of want to build up these things. So, like, everybody watch on caucus night. You know, it's in my interest to try and get people uh, thinking that this is up for grabs. But it really is. Iowa polls are notorious for being wrong because Iowans really decide when they walk in there. And there are many of them that say they're going to go, and then it's cold that night, or they want to watch the football game, and they don't show up. So these polls are really not reliable in Iowa.
1: They are truly okay. American in that sense. The, uh, well, I was going to do it, but there was something exciting on wheel that I night. so I had
10: beer in the fridge, and I
1: thought,
10: hmm. <laughs> they, they,
1: they are the salt of the earth, Lisa. <laughs>
10: uh,
1: well, and so there's a, a couple things. A, That's I right. saw so, the other day, that I think it was Dick Morris introduced the phrase huckaside, uh, saying that the GOP, if they, if they elected, uh, if they chose him as the nominee, that they were going to be committing huckicide because he couldn't possibly win. Um, and also, this don't you think that all of this, Hillary versus Obama versus John Edwards, who they claim is picking up momentum and whatever, I'm just saying, from my perspective as an observer, I think this is all just extremely, it's just an intellectual exercise because when all is said and done, the Democrats really are tired of losing and they know that the only person who can probably win is Hillary.
10: I don't know. I think that Hillary, that is why she was out in front for so long. People thought this is the one. She can win. She knows how to win. Uh they've got a machine, they're tough, all of this. But I'm not convinced that she is the most electable Democratic candidate. And and that's not to say she is or isn't, but I I think that uh she has such high negatives that that it's making a lot of Democrats rethink whether she's electable or not. Maybe she is, maybe she isn't, but she has a lot of negatives that Barack Obama doesn't. Now, Barack Obama's problems, for example, is that he isn't he isn't as experienced in the political arena, and and that Republicans, you know, are thought of as being the ones that are going to just slice and dice anyone who's, you know, a little bit young in the in the parking lot with them. But you know, it, it's it's that I think that's a crapshoot. John Edwards is still in this too for the Democrats. I think his problem is that he has been coming off a little bit more angry than he did in 2004, and I also think that he was disappointing in the 2004 debates. He comes off as a little bit snide, and I I think he needs to tone that down if he's electable. But it's just to say, I think they all have strengths and weaknesses, and I think right now the reason it, it had tightened up to this point is because Democrats weren't sure that Hillary Clinton was the most electable. I think they're getting this sense of, hey, wait a second, this is another dynasty just like the Bush dynasty, and all of the Edwards and Obama Uh, railing against her again and again for being part of the Washington machine, for being kind of the same thing that we've seen, I think Democrats were starting to think about that and starting to say, hey, I don't know that we can get independents to vote for Hillary. uh, Independents may vote for Obama. Maybe. Uh, I I don't know. I I just think she's not, I don't think Democrats think she's the most electable anymore.
1: I think that just railing against Hillary for being an insider, though, in a way helps her because it sort of obscures the fact that she actually hasn't worked in government all that long. I mean, it sort of makes her, in my opinion, it sort of paints her as being more experienced than she really is. You know, if they're saying that, well, she's just an entrenched part of the Washington elite. I mean, that sort of covers up the fact that, you know, really she's got a handful of years in the Senate, and that's about it.
10: Well, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, it depends on how you look at experience. You, eight years... In the White House, even you know, the New York Times came out with a big piece this week, uh, really questioning how far that experience goes and pointing out she didn't have security clearance, she really wasn't involved in major decisions at the White House, uh, you know, but she knows how the place works, and, and that's, that's a big leg up. Uh, Where you can say these guys are all fast learners and sometimes you want someone who doesn't know how the place works because they'll make it work differently. Uh, I don't know. I think think her White House experience is worth something for sure. I think you can't dismiss it. I
1: really think, and this is just my gut sense, I think that what Hillary needs to do, either now or when in the future, when I believe she will be the nominee, I think Hillary has to just come out with a campaign ad. Um, that is sort of reminiscent of those Lee Iacocca ads from the 80s where he said, if you can find a better car, buy it, which is an incredibly effective piece of advertising. I think Hillary Clinton needs to come out with an ad where she talks not to some vague, amorphous group of the people, but where she talks right to the camera. And I think she ought to just come out and say, you know, a lot of people, I think she really ought to say something very similar to a lot of people don't like me. And just say, a lot of people don't like me. If you you know, and if you are one of them, you ought to vote for somebody else. But if you want a different direction, if you want change, if you want to go forward instead of being mired in the same, you know, crap, you know, then you know, vote for me in 2008. I think she so if, really ought to just address it head on. Say a lot of people don't like feel
10: me. A line from her early campaign stumps, maybe uh, circa six months ago, where she was saying, "If you don't agree with this, if you, you know, if you, especially on Iraq, that's really what she would talk about. If you don't agree with me on this, I, I don't want your vote, and I respect that. You know, vote, vote for someone else." So it's very similar to what you're saying, and I think that that was helping her for a long time. I think that when she kind of tripped up uh, in that debate in Philadelphia – and then people kind of saw a weakness. People started questioning uh, her electability, and then the likability factor came in. People said, "Well, you know, I kind of feel weird voting for her anyway. Maybe I won't." Obama came in, took that, and then everybody has just been back and forth, different campaign strategies every other day, and the, and they haven't stuck to one. And uh, that's why you see it so up and down. But I think you're you're dead on. That's that's uh, I think, I, I think it, that couldn't hurt her.
1: I think I've refined the line a little bit in my head, and I know we're way over time here. So we have to go, but I, I think I've refined it. It would be something like. I I really well I really feel like I ought to just email my resume to Dick Morris or just like an air check of our conversation to be like come on what do you think um something like if you don't like me vote for someone else if you don't like what's happening vote for me. Oh, there you go.
10: Oh, See? Good. Then
1: it like has the uh, it has the a you know, mirror and it's the floating opposites thing. So all right.
10: She has a good line where she says, "If you some candidates would hope for change, meaning Obama, some candidates would for, would try and demand change, like Edwards." And she say, "What I do is I know how to work hard for change." I thought that was a pretty good line, uh, but it's kind of gotten buried in there now. All right. Like uh, yeah, whatever.
1: No, I don't. No, no, no. It's I. I was. Yeah. No, we're we we're, we're out of time. I was. I had one other thing I was going to say, but I forget exactly what it was. So it can it can, can keep until though? tomorrow. Uh, yeah. well, I know that Kastenbaum's on a plane right now, headed for Pakistan.
10: Oh, is he really?
1: Yeah, he is. We called. We were going to get to um, wow. uh, Steve actually uh, today.
10: he'll be packing. But
1: literally, I we called. We were going to book him about something else. So like hit, at, he, they said, like he's at his house packing right now.
10: Wow. So
1: uh, so he's going to be over there right now. So, that is
10: okay.
1: awesome. Man, if, less awesome for Pakistan, but awesome for Steve. <laughs> Why not? What does that mean? No no no, I'm saying it's not a. am saying this whole the story is obviously it no it is no good. Right. Not right. that Steve Beef there is bad for Yes, I yes. <laughs> they've they faced their greatest challenge yet. Steve Kastenbaum reporting from Baum. No, it, it just, I I mean in. there's a whole lot of bad upheaval happening over there, but I mean, you know, I know that uh, you know, I know it's, it's a big thing to go over there and report, so it's just that the whole, man, like that a, whole place is just
10: for him. that's great.
1: That whole place is like one bad, uh, like unstable Hong Kong fireworks factory. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just expect that whole part of the map just to at any point you just expect to hear like a distant <laughs> and then to turn on the news and just a huge plume. I
10: shouldn't be laughing. That really is an apt metaphor. Well, okay.
1: what are you going to do? It's what can well. you do? All right. Uh, We're going to run. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we will talk to you. Are you on tomorrow?
10: Um, I will be on tomorrow, yes. They're going to try and tell you that I'm not available for the time that you ask for, but tell them it's not true. Tell them that... I'm not going to have any of it. I'll call in. All right.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. There you go. Lisa, Danger and Anne, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Fantastic. We're so behind. All right. Excellent. Hey, speaking of this, uh, before the top of the hour, we'll give away a copy of Kissology, Volume 3, and uh, so forth. Tim Riley returns uh, in just a short while, plus the uh, top five today. And uh, let's see what else. Oh, a more random question from my pile of crap. Plus, Tim Riley had a fantastic Christmas gift that was entirely unexpected. You've completely forgotten what I'm talking about. You have no idea. No. You sent me an email about it. Oh yeah. All right. Back after this. Lingo, correct. Future Star time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see here. It is the boot camp. on. Uh, let's see here on uh, eBay. You can buy a Phil Collins signed microphone for $220. Okay, here's a copy of Phil Collins' greatest hits. What's the track listing here? They don't want to show me the track listing. That's not a good sign. Okay, I'm trying to find out exactly. Hold on. smell like something's burning? Intercom. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, never mind. I was going to make a Rome is burning joke because Jim Rome. Um, oh, wait, is that your lunch? My God, what do you mean? smell eating? like burning. What is that?
2: It's this, uh, eating rice enchilada thing. It's really good, actually. It's like an enchilada and some rice. I don't
1: think that's it. I'm smelling something else. Maybe that's the first sign of a stroke or something, though. Maybe, isn't that, or like uh uh-huh. Alzheimer's or something? I mean, you smell, what do they say? You smell burning walnuts or whatever? Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Amazon, Amazon. Is there no longer a listing for, oh, here we go, music. There's no longer a listing for CDs on Amazon, by the way. Why is that? Uh, Because I guess fewer people, because they sell, because they have an MP3 store. Mm -hmm. And so I guess they're trying to push people to that by removing uh, the CD category. Now you have to search by music. I'm just curious to see what's on this Phil Collins Greatest Hits. Uh, Let's see here. Hits by Phil Collins. Let's click on it now, shall we? Uh, let's see. Apparently, there's also a Phil Collins. This is like that thing they do sometimes where they do uh, multiple greatest hits packages. But they, the way they do it now is they do it with different themes. Like, um, like you can buy a, like I think you can buy a Poison CD compilation that's only the ballads. It's like best of ballads. And then there's one that's like best of rockers. And then there's like Poison just sings about cars or whatever. So it's just all of the different configurations of their catalog. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Phil Collins. Uh, hits. The track listing is as follows. Wait, hold on. Alright, here we go. Another Day in Paradise. Uh, True Colors. I completely forgot that he did that. That horrible cover of Cyndi Lauper's True Colors. Is it the song is as bad enough as it is? You shut, you shut your mouth. I like that song. Um, she's it, a poor man's Madonna. <sighs> you see, you're just trying to provoke me now. Uh and I think that his True Colors has that weird pan flute thing from the Titanic soundtrack on it. Let's see if I can get it to play here. Hold on, I'm trying to see if Phil Collins True Colors will play. I can't believe I'm taking valuable airtime to play a Phil Collins cover of a song that Tim doesn't even like. Let's see if it'll uh, let's see if it'll load here. It can't
3: always be for me.
1: In the Windows Media Player software, which is flawless. Boy, this takes forever. My goddamn Windows Media Player is like the worst, and now it's just doing that Microsoft thing of just sitting there.
8: Oh yeah. Let's see. If we,
1: I want to hear the. I want to hear the My Heart Will Go On instrument. Those aren't real drums. There you go. There you go. Like that terrible bagpipey thing. Uh, let's see, Easy Lover. Oh, I forgot that song existed. You can't hurry love. Uh, Two Hearts. Boy, oh, these are all terrible. I wish it would rain down. The only good thing about that is Eric Clapton's on it. Against All Odds is pretty good. Something on the way to happen, uh, happen on the way to heaven is terrible. Separate lives, separate lives from White Nights with uh, what's it? Mikhail uh, Barishnikov and uh, Gregory Hines, both sides of the story. One more night, oh, one more night. You know that song, don't you, Tim? That's uh, one more night is on every one of those sessions. Presents love, love hits. Um, studio, dance into the night, groovy kind of love. The I forgot how many bad covers of groovy Motown kind songs of love he did. Is
2: so bad. Yeah,
1: in the air tonight and take me home. That doesn't count. That's a Genesis song, I think. Well, whatever. I realize now I don't care. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
3: So on the Oregon Trail chapter, the American Red Cross is looking for volunteers to run three warming centers. And die of to These are kind of like cuddle parties. You know, warm people up. One uh, is the Estate Hotel at 225 Northwest Cooch. Another is uh, Cavalry Christian Ministries at uh, 126 North East Alberta, and the other is Portland Four Square Church at 1302 Southeast Ankeny Street.
1: Wait, so the Oregon Trail Society, and every time I, you, you use the words Oregon Trail, I just picture like a badly animated deer running across the screen of an Apple IIc. No, it's Lewis and Clark with Lewis pointing What are they... <laughs> in, in Clark following. <laughs> what do they want you
3: to do? Warm up these homeless people because they get frostbite, and they freeze on cold nights. Why do I have
1: to warm them up? Don't they have heaters? I guess so. What is it they want me to do exactly?
3: Uh, let's see here. You uh, help save lives when the temperature drops. They These uh, stations hold 130 people several nights a week. In addition to hundreds of extra beds that homeless shelters add, uh, it's for homeless men, women, and families in bad weather. So apparently they want to keep them off the street. Uh, whatever. So go down there and uh, at least they're keeping them off the max. It's <laughs> really all I care about.
1: I just don't understand why they need my help. I mean, you stick them in a room, you turn on the heat, you leave. Well, don't, somebody, well, don't, somebody don't.
3: has to keep them from killing each other whatever. Why? Well, because they don't behave very well.
1: No, but I'm saying... Well, never mind. Here's Tim Riley.
3: Uh The OSP has closed down Oregon 6 west of Banks near milepost 34 because of a crash involving a jackknife truck in a bus. Ugh. It's a not an injury accident. Two trucks are on route. Oh, well, there you go. So, uh, and sooner or later, things will be cleared. So that's that. Fantastic. And uh we were promised no and people lied to us, so we're very upset about that. Uh the crocodile hunter's widow is teaming up with OSU to do to research on whales. Oh, is she's she gonna from... be a naughty little girl with her? Uh yeah, she's from Eugene. Whoa, whoa, hell what? She's from Eugene. Go uh, back to when you said naughty little girl. Th- that little girl gives me the creeps.
1: Oh, oh you mean naughty like uh creepy, yeah. not Okay.
3: No, I don't know what she does in her spare time.
1: <laughs> when you said something about misbehaving child. Crocodile, hunter's widow, blah, blah, blah. Naughty little girl. That's all I heard. All right. Oh, no, I don't know what she does. But All right. She's mourning, of course. All right. So
3: back to the uh, tiger story again. We have uh, some new uh, sound on this. The chief of police in San Francisco says early reports that a bloody shoe was Ugh. found near the tiger enclosure is incorrect. Uh, chief Heather Fong it uh, says there's no information uh, indicating anyone slung a leg over the railing near the tiger's cage. There was
0: no shoe, a single shoe, found by the railing or by the grass or the, the foliage there at the grotto. Well,
1: foliage?
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, a footprint was found on the fence near the tiger exhibit. Though. We
0: have obtained photographs of that shoe print, and we also have all three pairs of shoes... From the victims.
3: Uh, there is a contradiction uh, regarding anyone teasing the tiger.
0: We have no information as of this time from the investigation that tells us that someone's leg was leaning against or leaning over the railing. But the
1: media says so. <laughs> and, well, I thought she just said they found a footprint inside the enclosure. Mm-hmm. Well, hello. How would it. Unless uh, the tiger mauled the guy, detached his leg, it's and bent their shoes. And <laughs> just to be wacky, went around stamping fake human prints inside, like just for a goof. It, it seems like somebody was sort of trotting around where they ought not to have. The three victims were checked for what shoes they were wearing.
3: Two
0: victims had their shoes on, and one victim, the victim who was attacked at the Terrace Cafe, had one of his shoes off, but it was alongside his person.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, the zoo director Manuel Manito says they're going to do some new things to make the tiger exhibit more family friendly.
5: Putting uh, new fencing in front of the uh, the felid exhibits, uh, including surveillance cameras, and also adding hot wire around the perimeter of each one of the uh, animal habitats.
1: How about you stop putting man-eating creatures inside a cage where children can throw bags of popcorn at them and irritate them all? Animals day are for our amusement. <laughs> That's why God put them uh, there. Seriously. God wouldn't have given us creatures if he didn't want them to be stared at by mm. idiot tourists who snap photos at them and yell things. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, did you see this thing about Jessica Simpson's movie? No. Of course why not. don't wants anybody want to see a Jessica Simpson <laughs> movie? Well, Tim, I think you share the sentiment of the entire nation. Um, so she had that terrible movie, Blonde Ambition, open this weekend? Probably. Okay. I'm reading this. That now. was actually
2: in theaters? I thought it was going straight to D V D. No,
1: apparently not. It well it's heading in that direction. Opened in... <laughs> Not straight to D V D,
3: but it is heading, heading in that direction. Straight
1: to Betamax. Uh this is from the National Ledger. Uh it opened in what they're calling a limited release. Mm-hmm. Um You know they do that um per screen average where they'll say like um whatever, like if uh you know, like uh, 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 what was the number one movie this weekend? I don't know. That terrible thing with Nick Cage. National Treasure. National League. Treasure 2. It made like 48 million dollars and they say that translates to a $6,000 per screen average or something like that. And then I guess the typical movie opens to about $1,400 per screen per showing. People just sit there like zombies
3: and chomp down big bucks and pop, doesn't matter what's
1: showing up the screen. As long as it's something as long as you can eat some Twizzlers yeah. while you're watching it. As long as you can eat some weird sort of buttery lard like nacho cheese on some chips. Uh, guess what Jessica Simpson's movie averaged per screen? I don't know. $48. Oh, that isn't bad. Which is six people per showing. It averaged six people per showing. Was that just somebody cleaning up? In the entire state of Texas, it made
3: $300.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is amusing. It grossed $300 in Texas. Texas Texas is like the size of the moon. Yeah. Oh, man, that's wonderful. Ah, oh, excellent. Boy, it's been a bad couple of weeks for her. But with her and her bringing that curse on Tony Romo, I mean, I don't even really care about sports all that much, but, boy, that's a fantastic story. Oh, wonderful. $300. Well done, Jessica. Um, So there you go. Yeah, I didn't see National. Well, I'm not going to see National. Press. I almost Rule, had to belief. see it. No. Oh, because of your parents?
2: Chris had to go see it.
1: Ugh. Ugh. His no. parents,
2: right? Tried... Well, because it was the only thing our family, like, we were like, how can we kill a big chunk of time in the middle what can we of all day? agree on? And my dad really wanted to see it, and thank God we didn't have to.
1: No, I didn't see Sweeney Todd either, although the, re- the-, the people uh, that we know have said it's very good. Aaron and Scott both liked it. Uh, our friend it, raved about it. Uh, so uh, I'm going to try to see Sweeney Todd, and then I did not get a chance to see the new Sorkin film, uh, Charlie Wilson's War, but I am going to see that this week without fail. The new I saw Sorkin. the documentary. Uh, really? About the actual Charlie Wilson? Yeah. It's already been, the movie has already been decried as a, quote, piece of liberal propaganda. So, of course, now I have to, like, everything Aaron Sorkin does. You get the feeling that Aaron Sorkin could make a movie about, like, you know, wood carving in the Appalachians to people. It's liberal propaganda! So I have to see it now. I have no choice. Uh, Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So those of you uh,
3: going to cash in your Walmart gift cards, you're going to have a bit of difficulty. The retailer giant said... Some of their locations are having trouble processing the cards, blaming the area, uh, the error on third-party verification systems. They apologize and they're working to resolve the situation. So please stay away from
1: Walmart today. This guy says, "Rick, a warming station for homeless people sounds horrible. I picture volunteers giving foot massages to the diseased and smelly feet of vagrants on the verge of frostbite." Um, he says, "Whatever." and this is a good point, he says, whatever happened to the 50-gallon oil drum that hobos traditionally used to have in alleys? Those were the original warming stations, and unless they were outlawed, they were a staple of the Christmas experience. I agree, sir. Uh, alright, let's take a brief moment, let's talk to, oh, this is, uh, Sarah, uh, we'll also know this guy, our good friend, uh, Jack Elder, who, um... Was uh, who, who helped to make a truly awful television program a little more palatable uh, during our downtime? Hello, Jack.
4: Hey, good afternoon. How you doing, oh, Rick? Brother, how you doing? Oh, good. Hey, I just ha- got to let you know, with this imminent uh, snowstorm that's coming in. At least all of the, the meteorological types are running around like chickens with their heads chopped off, saying we're going to have snow up to you know down to 500 feet.
8: Yes. Right.
4: I have two luge sleds in my car. Now, if we actually get snow, I can take you out, and you can have more fun laying on your back since the last time you got laid. A- okay. And God only knows how long that's been.
5: Thank you.
1: A luge. Is that like? Oh, that's like the Olympic. Because you, you are, you were at the Olympics, or you did an Olympic thing. I did that. Now, so you just let me ask you this: Do you just travel around with luge sleds, like in the back of your car, like all just like all the time?
4: Well. Uh- only, just in case... only under threat of snow, because, right. you know, just in case, you know, it happens, and I happen to be nearby where there's a hill, and, uh, you know, I can get out and do it again.
1: In case you just need, like, the, the, the urge to lose just suddenly strikes you, uh, where does one... I mean, you can't just do that anywhere, right? Because there's no steering on those things.
4: Yeah, there is steering. There is. Yes, there is. So just, it's
1: not like you just go down a hill and whatever's in front of you, you have no choice but to hit. It's not.
4: It's not like a toboggan. No, okay. it, it definitely has steering. Uh, but you need uh, good, hard, icy snow.
1: Where is the premier luge spot in Portland?
4: The best place is Mount Tabor. Really? Yeah, it's got a nice. Oh. It's, it's got a nice road that's closed to public traffic. Wow, that just seems terrifying. Oh. It's marvelous. You know, it gets the adrenaline flowing.
1: Man, I swear to God, I'm going to turn on the news tonight, and they're going to say, a local man who decided to lose down Mount Tabor was exhumed and put in a shoe, you know, in a shoe box today.
4: Well, actually, you know, if you get underneath the car, you know, it gets a little difficult. Oh, wow. All
1: right. No, I think I'm going to pass, but... Thank you, Jack. Are you sure? Yes. I. I drop me an email. Maybe I'll maybe I'll, maybe I'll, reconsider. Yeah, well, okay.
4: Uh, thank well, you. All right, then. Thank I'll, you, sir. I'll get in touch next time. Thank you. There are our good friend, Jack Elder. Thank you.
3: Artistic Jessica Simpson's movie has Jack already Elder. been leaked online. You can watch it in its entirety.
1: Can I, please? Yeah. I'm not going to. Uh, you're listening to the case. in going be Portland, by the way. Oh, my God. We only locked. an hour left. What have we filled this day with? I don't know. It's thing you fill every day with. Gibberish. Only more of it. <laughs> Nonsense. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, hello.
7: Hey, is this me? Yeah, I know it is. Hey, Rick, Uh, 55-gallon drums, uh they're made out of plastic, they melt. Out.
1: (laughs) That whole call was self-contained, and he's gone, (laughs) he up. I didn't even need to be here. All right, here's Tim Riley Uh and stuff.
3: So not content to have just plain old Parade magazine, now there's Parade.com. Really? Yes.
1: I'm going there right now, hold
3: on. Parade.com. Hold on. Parade.com. It is their year-end pop culture poll, which reveals,
1: how do I get that job? How do I get the job of being, it's like, what's her name, Candy Matheson, or whoever it is, that, that girl who does the pop culture blog for USA Today, or she does the pop culture column, Candy, Candy something or other, Candy Whitney, Candy something, uh, but she does... I think it's called like Pop Bites or Pop Tarts or something. Or well,
3: you can call this lady and ask her Alexis Colado at
1: Parade dot com. Uh, I have a phone number. I don't mean to be all about the glory of me, but I'm way more qualified to do pop culture writing than most of the people who do it. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, you, I'm not trying to be. Do you want to wa- work at Parade magazine? Is well, sounds like you know, sounds like a steady paycheck. I've been uh, around for years. I'm not trying to be uh, you know egocentric, but I mean, it really is my only skill, and I can be I can be boastful about it because again, I have no other skills. Skills I have no skills. So, no, I understand. I'm understand. i very good at that. They really ought to hire me to start doing that. Uh, all right. I'm looking here at Parade Magazine. Now, what is this? It's the, the what? The Iran, the pop culture poll. Well, they don't have... Boy, this website is terrible. Well, they just There's out. a whole section just called Pets. And then, of course, because it's Parade Magazine... Okay, here are the tabs. Celebrity, Snapshot, Pets, Food, All America... And classroom, imagine what the classroom section of Parade Magazine must be like. Is that where you go there, Marilyn Vos Savant, just laughs at you for being dumb? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I don't see the, uh, okay, what, what is the poll, Tim?
3: It says here, some stars circus more than others. 44% of Parade.com respondents think Rosie O'Donnell is the most annoying celebrity out there. Paris Hilton, 24%, and Culture, 16%, Heather Mills, McCartney, 12%, and Paris Hilton, 4%. The most overexposed celebrity award goes to Britney Spears, 50%. and one time, British sidekick Paris Hilton comes in second with 32%. Funny man, Adam Sandler, is the hottest oh, really, <laughs> mm-hmm. among comedians with 38%. Oh, uh, oh, I see. These are annoying celebrities. Uh, 38%. Steve Carell and Ben Stiller both tied for 29%. It's,
1: it's kind of amazing. And this is how far out of Step Parade magazine, which is the Larry King of the print world, Yeah. How far the step they are that Adam Sandler would register at all on one of their, but like in any way, you know what I mean? That's you know what Parade Magazine also is. I'll guarantee you this: if you were to rank like funniest people in America, Parade Magazine is one of those publications that would still put Robin Williams at number one. Mm-hmm. He would be like the, like that would be he would be the perennial number one, because Parade Magazine is like an entire. It's like 40 pages of that Larry King column that he used to do, Larry King's People, where he would write things like you know. First time ever, the Glenn Miller CD box set. Our proudest year. Yeah. (laughs) He would, it was the all time, the all time best Larry King's people entry. And it was just a series of stupid observations separated by ellipses, for which he was paid like $5 million a year. Was coffee tastes better in thick mugs. Which is real. First time ever, the Glenn Miller CD box set. Our proudest year. Yeah. (laughs) He would it was the all-time the all-time best Larry King's people entry, and it was just a series of stupid observations separated by ellipses, for which he was paid like five million dollars a year. Was coffee tastes better in thick mugs. Which is real. And like that was there you go. And he got if you break it out like like in a per sentence sort of thing, like he got paid like forty thousand dollars to write that. Uh or like for my money, comedy doesn't get any better than Joey Bishop. Give me a
3: soap and a washcloth any day.
1: <laughs> dot dot dot. I love the feel of new pants. Dot, dot, dot. Boy, this is a little dark actually, but I was watching Larry King last night. Um because um uh I'm a I'm a big I'm say a fan, but I'm a, a very uh I follow the West Memphis three case pretty closely. Uh you can find out more by the way at WM3.org. Um West Memphis Three, who are these three Poor kids, they're not even kids, anymore. they're guys. It's astonishing to see them interviewed live now because they're my age. And, you know, the photo you always see of them is when they're like 17. But these three uh, kids that were like railroaded by a bunch of hicks in West Memphis, Arkansas, and one of them, Damien Echols, is on death row and there's some new DNA which might exonerate them. So there's this. Larry King did this whole hour-long feature interview with Damien Eccles, quite literally live on death row because he's, he's been on death row forever. And first of all, it's creepy and just sad because you see Damien Eccles, and again, he's like you know he's like a 35-year-old guy now, and it's just it's so weird. But Larry King is doing the back and forth with Damien Eccles And and again, you realize Damien Eccles went to prison. He was sentenced to death when he was 18 or 19. He's been there for 15 years. He's now almost 34. So he's basically been sitting there in the opinion of almost everyone, uh, wrongly convicted, wrongly accused, railroaded, sitting there on death row, so basically his whole life is just day after day of tedious torture waiting to be killed. All for a crime that he almost certainly didn't commit. So this is Larry King, though. So Larry King, who obviously doesn't know anything about the case, which is fine, but he's very clearly just reading a series of scripted questions off um, index cards in front of him. He has only bothered, there's three guys in the case, um, Jason Baldwin, Damien Echols, and Jesse Miss Kelly. Larry King has only bothered to learn the name of Damian Eccles. He hasn't bothered to learn the names of the other two. And he keeps referring to Jesse Miss Kelly as the kind of retarded guy, which is which is great.
2: Oh, man. So he
1: goes, so, Damien, um, about the kind of retarded guy. Is he
2: slightly mentally disabled? He is. Okay. I
1: mean, he's, he has a diminished IQ. But it's just funny that Larry King doesn't know his name, doesn't bother to learn his name. At no point did they think to furnish him with the name. And so sort of throughout the interview, he would go, So, uh, Damien Eccles, you and uh, Jason Baldwin are at the Supermax uh, prison. What about the kind of retarded guy? Where is he? And you're just, you realize, I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but you realize that you're watching uh, this interview that is very, very literally a question of life and death. I mean, it's of the utmost gravity. I mean, a wrongly convicted man sitting on death row, and Larry King keeps going, so about the kind of retarded guy, what prison is he in? Like, to him, like, the idea that he's sort of retarded then precludes Larry bothering to learn his name. And then the best moment of the interview comes, and again, I I say this with all due respect, because it really is like a terrible travesty and the the, the miscarriage of justice and and all that, and people really ought to check it out if they haven't. But this is the epitome of Larry King's interviewing style. Larry King, who in many ways is kind of one of the great interviewers because he asks the very simple down-to-earth questions. But he says, I wish I'd pulled the audio to bring it in, but he says, this is almost a word for word of what he says. He says, so, Damien, you're wrongly convicted. You're in jail for a crime uh, you don't commit. You didn't commit. You've been on death row for 15 years. There's all kind of evidence exonerating you. Uh, people have been working for your freedom but every single day you live 23 hours of your life in a tiny cell waiting to be executed by the state do you find this frustrating <laughs> which and i actually sort of i was drinking like I don't know water or coffee or something and i actually sort of like choked on it a little bit because it's just the best, that is like the definitive larry king question so just a huge build up and then just the tiniest softball you could imagine so well done larry um Mm, well, it's too late to break here. We can't take a break. Um, oh, hey, Richie, it's time to try to give away Kissology Volume 3 again. So uh, we'll take caller number 5 here at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We will endeavor to give away another copy of Kissology Volume 3, uh, nearly 10 hours of live kiss on four DVDs, including the complete MTV and plug show on sale uh, from vh one records. Let's take caller number five uh, right now. We'll, I don't know, we'll do a couple of these. Uh, In the meantime, let me do this here. Uh, Let me now. um... (laughs) Greetings and salutations, Tony Gould. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you have been selected as the AM 970 glorious bastard of the week with all of the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including... These are the mandated copy points. Including Rush Hour 3 on DVD, where Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker say bonjour to Paris in a high-stakes action comedy. (laughs) Don't laugh.
2: I was See, coughing. Sarah,
1: the movie is so funny that even the description makes you laugh.
2: I know it's a hilarity will ensue, I'm sure.
1: On sale now. As well as the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, Tony Gould. You are the glorious bastard of the week. They say bonjour to Paris. Maybe high stakes action comedy.
0: High stakes?
1: Uh huh. Uh, hi. Uh, is this, uh, let's see, who is this? Hi. Hello. Hi, who is this? This is Kyle. Hello, Kyle. You are, uh, caller five. Are you a Kiss fan?
7: Uh, I am not, but my future mother in law is. So okay. She'll be is this Kyle ex- intern-, intern Kyle? No, this is Kyle who, uh, watched his uncle, uh, you guys remember that call?
2: Can you turn on your radio a
7: little?
1: Yeah, can you please? can you turn the radio up as loud as it'll go?
7: I turned it off. I'm in the car.
1: What is the sound in the background?
7: That's uh I think it's my fiance talking to Ramon saying I'm caller number 5.
1: Yeah, could you, I don't mean to be a jerk. Could you could you have her uh, quiet down for just a second? Thanks. Um Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Are we causing strife?
9: Maybe not uh, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Thanks guys. Well, uh, I know I'm,
1: I'm trying to give you the best shot to win sir. I don't want you to be distracted.
7: I I'm. Oh, she's off. All right.
1: <laughs> oh, there's going to be a fight. Um. All right. See, this is like the second uh, contestant in a row we've had who's not a Kiss fan, but is playing for someone who is. So, uh, so I'm sorry. You know, sorry about that. Uh. Well, let's hope you win. Uh. So here's the deal. I'm going to play you 20 seconds of a Kiss song that you will almost certainly not know. Uh, okay. and then you'll have 10 seconds to ponder it and if you can correctly identify it you'll win a copy of Kissology Volume 3 on DVD uh, 10 hours of live kiss on 4 DVDs including the complete MTV and plug show from VH1 Classic Records are you ready sir?
9: I am okay here's the deal
1: I'm going to play you a kiss song uh, and at the end of this you will have 10 seconds to ponder it and then if you got it right you'll win that are you ready? I am ready All right, I'm going to put you on hold so you can listen and then we'll come back to you alright you will hear 20 seconds of the song and then 10 seconds of thinking music Stay right there. All right, and here you go, sir. All right, you now have 10 seconds to ponder it. sir are you able to identify that kiss
5: song
7: uh is it uh i want to rock and roll all night well done day?
1: congratulations my friend and you see and you called yourself Good not up. a kiss fan all right well i did take it a little easy on you there because i know you're gonna have a fight with your girlfriend almost immediately after this call is done so.
7: I, I think the fight is reconciled now really because you because
1: you managed to win something yes See, so you're lucky you got to see so there you go through it See, so learn a lesson, my friend. Fights can be averted if you just have something valuable in your hand to give somebody. So there you go. All right, I'm going to put you on hold, Richie Bristow. will get your information. Thank you, sir. Not a problem. All right, there you go. Hey, Richie, I'm let's let's we're on a roll here. Let's do one more. Uh, so I'm going to take. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hi, hello. Who's this? This is Jim. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Hey, are you a Kiss fan? Uh, I used to be. Okay, well, that that's close enough, better than the last guy. So right. here's the deal. You know how we, how we play our game? I will play you about 20 seconds of a Kiss song done by a separate artist, uh, and then you'll have about 10 seconds to think on it. And if you can uh, nail it, you win a copy of uh, Kissology Volume 3. Are you ready, sir? Sounds good. All right, hold on a second. I'm going to put you on hold so you can hear the music. You'll then have uh, 20 seconds of music and 10 seconds of thinking, all right? All right. All right, hold on. Uh, let me see here. Um, all right, let's try this one. Um hmm. wait no, let me do this one instead i'll do a different style all right here's your twenty seconds of kiss, my friend. All right, you have 10 seconds to think about that. All right, sir, do you know that kiss song?
7: Is it shouted out loud? Well done! Congrats, two in kiss a row!
1: Congratulations! All right, my friend, you have won a copy of Kissology Volume 3 from VH1 Classic Records. Right on, thanks, All right, Rick. I'll put you on hold, Rich, you'll get your info. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, there you go. Excellent. All right. I feel a little bit better about everything here. Uh, All right. Let's see here. What else? Well, it seems like I have a few things I should get to here. Um, And we also have a lot of commercials to get to. Yes, we do. Yes, we uh, do. Many paid sponsors. Okay. Uh, I I have uh, put these observations aside. Uh, I'm going to read one email, and then a couple more of my observations from this, because we, I would, normally when I come into the, the Monday, I have two days of observations, but of course I have five days of observations to get to now. Uh, here's an email, he says, Rick, you must, uh, you guys must watch VH1's Countdown of the 100 Best 90s Songs to see the guy from Color Me Bad's gigantic head. Seriously, it's freak show big. I suggest TiVo because the show itself is unwatchable, but it was worth it to see the unbelievably big head of the color me bad guy. And he's a redneck trucker in Oklahoma now. I'm not even kidding. You have to see it to believe it. Now, do you know which guy? Have you seen this show? No, but the show? No, I remember
2: two of them. I remember the lead singer with the freaky curly hair and the guy who, um, who looked kind of like George Michael. Well, that's the thing is that the they all
1: looked like somebody else. There was the guy who looked like George Michael. Uh, there was a guy. Oh, no, no, I can't even remember. What I do remember is there was a guy who looked like Kenny G. Uh, every...
2: Yeah, that was the lead singer guy.
1: Okay, see, now I have to look it up. It, it...
2: <gasps> Dude, I think it is the lead singer guy. His head is huge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hold on, let me look here. find his name. Color me bad. With
8: That's... two Ds. That's... Two Ds. I
1: know... Oh, trust me. I was a top forty okay. DJ. I know. It, it, by the way, they're another one of those groups that everybody listened to when they were like twelve, and the songs are sort of you know raunchy, as they used to say. It was didn't they? Have, didn't I want to sex you up? a line about first we'll take up all your clothes, and I mean I was playing it on a radio station targeted at like you know like fifteen year old girls. All right, here I'm looking at the. How is
2: it that we have Wikipedia pages and the lead singer of Color Me Bad doesn't have his own? Because
1: we rule. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, there's a the guy who looks like Kenny G.
2: Yeah, the there's Kenny a, G guy, I think, has the, the big head. A
1: guy who looks like George Michael. Uh, there's a guy who looks like Snow, uh, that rapper Snow of Informer K-J. fame. Uh, all right, and then there's a dreadlocked guy who doesn't really look like anybody. Um, so you're saying it's the, the Kenny G guy who has a huge head?
2: I think so. I'm
1: trying to find another picture of him.
2: I'm searching through images. And he's me. a truck
1: driver now? God, how, how sad is the fickle finger of fame? Ooh, okay. I can see. No, he. No, his head is huge.
2: Wait, is it the guy that looks like George Michael or another one?
1: It's the guy who looked like Kenny G.
2: I no, think that's who I thought. That's who I saw. That.
1: Yeah, his head does look massive. I'm looking at the cover of Color Me Bad: The Remixes, which I swear to God, the subtitle is Young, Gifted, and Bad with two D's.
2: Oh, good lord.
1: Uh, well, that's a, that's embarrassing. Well, apparently his head is huge. All right. Um, okay, uh, a couple a couple brief notes that I made to myself this weekend. Um One, um, so I had the most, I had the most awkward and just sort of annoying experience this weekend at one of those like coffee huts, you know, not like a coffee shop, but like one of those drive through, you know, those little like things. They look like a big Snoopy house, uh, that you drive by, one of those, you know, like a, like a drive by coffee shack, you know, it's like in the middle of a parking lot Mm -hmm. or something. So, um, so I was going to get some coffee, and I didn't want to take the time to park and go into, like, a, you know, to a Starbucks or whatever. Um, and I just, you know, I didn't want to get in my car, basically, because I'm an American. So I found, like, a coffee hut that was in, like, a blockbuster parking lot or something. And I pull in, and it, and I had to wait because there was a guy standing at the drive through window. You know, there's, like, you know, there's a the little lane where you drive through and they hand you out your coffee or whatever. And there was a guy just standing there leaning up against it, talking to the girl who was helping him. And I and it didn't look like he was ordering anything. So I had all of this like I like he kind of looked over at me and I kind of did the I kind of did the the sort of shrug like a well come on what a, are you are you gonna move or what what and then the guy just looked at me and I just sort of looked at him as if to say get out of my way I just need to pull my car up and order some coffee and then he just looked back and continued talking to the girl totally did not move He completely ignored me and which kind of. You know, it's sort of irritated, chapped my hide a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, and then another car got behind me, and so there's like three cars now stacked up, waiting for this guy who is standing at the drive-up window, like leaning on the counter, so you're
2: like chatting with the person,
1: chatting with the girl, and I, and I was like, well, what's going on? And I sort of revved my engine a little bit to indicate like I need to place an order in my car at this drive-up window. Well, it's good same amount of time. I didn't think he was ordering anything. That's the deal. And so eventually I realized that he was because he handed her a couple bucks. She handed him back some coffee. And then after this had been exchanged, he'd given her the money. He'd put the change in the tip jar. She had given him the coffee. Then he continued to stand there leaning in and talking. And I was like, well, what? You know, I got places to be. I didn't really, but, you know, I didn't want to wait. You like to feel important. I like to feel important. I was in a car. I was more important than him. Uh, And so, you know, I finally he looked at me and he sort of. He sort of walked away, but it's like even as he walked away, he did it in the way that, like... Was he taunting you, Rick? Was he taunting you with with this walk? He was, and here's why. Because I was about 20 feet back, you know, I didn't want to, like, get right up on him. So he walked away, but as he walked away, he walked, like, toward my car and then turned away at the last moment, like, preventing me from moving forward until the last possible second. So I was already kind of irritated. I pull up to the drive-thru, and I'm thinking, you know what? Bastard F him. I should have killed him. And you know, just like all oh, my pre oh, God. Well, you know, because I hadn't had my coffee yet. So I'm you know, I'm you know, ir- everything is irritating me, everything is annoying me because I was under caffeinated. So I'm like I should have run him down, jackass, you know, and whatever. I pull up to the coffee hut, there's two girls working inside. And by the way, I should make a note that this is not at that like sexy coffee place we talked about where they work in bikinis or whatever. This is not there. This isn't like just some run of the mill coffee shack like in a parking lot. I pull up to the window, the girl leans out, it makes my skin crawl even to think about it. She leans out and she goes, and trust me, I'm under no illusions about what I look like, my general demeanor, how I dress, whatever. I'm 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 not a 10. I know these things. So I pull up, the girl sort of leans out, leans forward like way more than is absolutely necessary. So she leans forward and she says this to me. So, like, you're the guy in the car. Like, you're me in the car. Mm -hmm. I'm the coffee girl. I pull up. She leans forward. She goes, hi, good looking. What's going on today?
2: Ew.
1: (laughs) It just makes my skin crawl even to think about it. Well,
2: because she knows that you're probably pissed at her, so she's trying to disarm you. See,
1: I don't think so. I don't.
2: You just think you're really very good looking.
1: Yes, that's exactly. No. No, no, no. I think that that's their deal. I think that they figured out that's how they can, you know, that's how they can get a bunch of, you know, dorky, you know, money out of dorky guys and return business. Because think about it. The guy in front of me was just taking forever to order, took forever after the order was completed, continued to sit there and talk to her. And so I pull up, she does the whole, hey, good looking, hey, good looking, what's going on? And I, you know, and don't get me wrong, as they used to say in the seventies, I like a pretty girl as much as the next guy, but you you know, and if a girl wants to, you know, whatever, hit on me or whatever, because she somehow is under the mistaken impression I'm all that, fine, that's her loss. But you know what I don't like is just the idea that I'm being worked, you know, that somebody is just, because then it, because you know what it is, then it's like the girl going, hey, would you like would you like a VIP dance? You know, and you just, no, no, I wouldn't, thanks so much. I'd just like to sit here and drink my $7 orange juice. So she goes, hey, good looking, and I said, hi, I'd, I'd, I'd like a medium house coffee, please. And she goes, "Okay. So, how's your day going? Doing anything fun?" She says, "Just like that." Oh, and I'm just just like making my skin so crawl the whole is time. The story. I'm just saying, I'm just saying they clearly have deduced that that's the way to get repeat business and a big tip is just by manipulating horny dumb guys. Well,
2: good for them.
1: Okay, sorry. I I thought you'd be equally horrified.
2: No way. I'm all for like I'm sure they only make like 7 bucks an hour if they can, you know, finagle money out of you know so horny, your whole thing
1: is sisters doing it however they have to There's,
2: i worked at a coffee shop for a while and um there was this guy who owned k2 snowboards i think uh-huh. and he would come in and you know and all the girls like it was all girls that worked there and he'd be he would tip us like 20 30 bucks a coffee uh,
1: i guess my thing is like and least... i felt
2: no guilt about it i'm like no
1: no 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 so no no don't get me wrong if if a guy comes in and he's just uh, dumb and horny and wants to give you 20 bucks because he's you know because he's a loser that's fine don't get me wrong take it take it with a smile spend it on something shiny I guess I was just sort of offended by the fact that it was just like so like ham handed so and badly done.
2: Is this the whole other you didn't feel special because not, she's doing it to everybody? It,
1: no 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 it's it's not even that. It's just that like it was so badly done. Do you know what I mean? It's like if they just sort of, and you know what I'm talking about because you worked in, in, you know, at a coffee place. You know what I'm saying. There is a way to sort of flirt where it's sort of low key, seems sort of genuine. Mm -hmm. And then there's the leaning forward and saying. So it
2: sounds like a lap dance
1: call. Yeah, totally. Hey, good looking. What's going on today? It's like right when she addresses me as, hey, good looking, right there, you know it's insincere. I think that's what I think is it's like they weren't even doing it well. It was just like so. Because I think then what it was is it's like how dumb do you really think I am? Like, it was sort of a reflection that they just assumed I was stupid. Because addressing me as hey, good-looking immediately loses you all integrity points. Because, come on. I mean, I may not look like a lab experiment, but, but I'm no one's idea. I'm not a handsome man, typically speaking. I'm more Richard Belzer than Richard Gere. So I'm just saying it irritated me. But then that led to my final question, Sarah, which I cannot remember. And it stands out to me. You find this whole thing unbelievably tedious, I can tell. My final question and it stood out to me because he didn't address it at all in the Starbucks book, and it is one of Starbucks' very, very few failures. I can't, I've been racking my brain. What was the name of that hideous coffee thing, that, or chocolate thing they sold two years ago, that failed miserably, that they didn't they drew from the market?
2: The chocolate thing? It was like
1: a big, basically like a big cup of heated like chocolate sauce. You know what I'm talking about? <gasps> yes. What the, was it um, called? The
2: Dol- Dol- Dolce?
1: Now, I keep wanting to call it the Craig Chiquiso, but he's the guitarist for Starship.
2: No, like the big cup of chocolate. I was,
1: remember. But it was like a big thick. It was Wasn't like it drinking like
2: the Dolce or something? I don't thing?
1: think so. Doesn't Dolce mean milk? I
2: think it means milk. Oh.
1: It was it, it was like drinking a thing of chocolate batter, basically.
2: Yeah, and then they um like tried to by biscotti to dip in it.
1: Yeah, it was a but it was a big failure. And it sort of um surprised me that he didn't mention it in the Starbucks book because you know, he does highlight the other few failures that Starbucks has had. Um, like Chantico. The Chantico. That's what it is. And it was just awful. And it was just bugging me that I couldn't that's think so of gross. what it was. That's so I remember
2: seeing these, you know, women ordering in front of me thinking they're all classy. Yeah.
1: And it was awful. Hey, a big, you know what these big people trouble. are all calling
2: about? Oh, My coffee hut
1: experience. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
9: Hey, how you doing, man? Hi. Hey, uh, Richie uh, answered the phone. He's like, hey, you want some coffee, good looking? <laughs> did he really do that? He, yes, he did. Excellent. Good for you, Richie. Hey, uh, what I want to tell you is, uh, you know, you were talking about how, you know, the people, the, bar- the baristas or whoever, you know, even like waiters or uh, waitresses will, you know, like do things to try to get
4: tips. Yeah. There's
9: this there's this book I'm reading, called uh, "Elephants on Acid" and other bizarre experiments. Uh huh. And and I think I think you would probably dig it. It's but there's one experiment in in like particular that kind of made me think of that. Where they, this, uh, you know, it was actually like a legitimate experiment. This, uh, professor sent his students in, or, you know, like his students that are waitresses and like, right. waiters into, you know, their jobs, and, like, they had them brush, like, the the hand as they gave the check. Oh, yeah, so, yeah,
1: as they're, like, leaving you the check, they do the casual contact with you yeah, almost and,
9: accidentally. Yeah, and the, uh, and, and the, uh, the amount of tips, like, it's, like generally speaking, was, like, a certain higher. Oh yeah. Kind
1: of oh, no, I can totally buy that. Because, no, don't get me wrong. Guys are really easily manipulated. Sometimes. Guys are vastly but, stupid most but, of the time. It sort of comes with the Y chromosome, yeah.
9: But it also works for men or for for women, too, though. That's that's the, the the thing that's kind of bizarre. I can right see here. that.
1: No, I can see that. It's just, it's, see, but at least that's a little subtle. Just, think like, showing me your boobs and calling me good-looking, that's just not going to work. It's right. not going to work. I, if I can see the math... Uh, it's not gonna. It's not gonna have the desired effect. So. Yes. Sir. All, right. All right. Well, thanks, man. Thank you, sir. Uh, let's do these and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
7: Ah, Rick, how are you doing on this lovely, rainy, horrible day?
1: Hello, sir. Greetings to you as well.
7: Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Hey, how can you tell us about a place where people will try and work you like that with a show of flesh and a smile? And I'll give us the address. Come on, man.
1: No. It's, Help a brother out. No, I'm not going to give them that. The a reason I didn't identify them, and the coffee was terrible, too, by the way.
7: Oh, okay. So, I'm just uh, driving
9: by many coffee places. The worst one I've seen so far today is tried our new peppermint
7: sprinkle mocha. No, I'm not going to
1: do that. Th- <laughs> thank you. Thank you, All
7: man. Right,
9: one more.
1: Thank you, and then we'll, and then we'll break. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
7: Hi, Rick. Uh, what I was going to say is, as bad being the recipient of a really badly executed line is, have you ever... Uh, then um, someplace and somebody just is so damned good at doing, and you and you're standing there and you're intelligent and you know what they're doing. You know they're just blowing smoke up your skirt or whatever you call it, but they're so damn good at it. You know what I mean? I
1: can no, I can appreciate that. I, mean, I can really appreciate it if, if they do it and they're sort of like you know. And and I hate to, to stereotype it. You know who is really good at that? What? Our Starbucks baristas. And I can't speak I can't speak for the male ones, but the female baristas have... There must be some Starbucks school that they send you to where they teach...
9: Kind of a charm, kind of a... Race. They
1: teach women at Starbucks how to be just the right level of friendly and quasi-flirtatious. Because it's like they got it down to an art form at that place. Right. They really do. So, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. Thank okay. you, my friend. Bye. All right, we're going to take a break. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Like us at 3, like us 101 at 5 o'clock. Uh... Really? You just wanted me to go to break because we get to play this.
2: No, your story was funny. Thank you! Back out of this.
1: Alright, I got the most horrifying email from Storm.
4: Let's see, where did it
1: go? I'm lot of, uh lot with the news here. About uh, color me bad. She says, that is the least sexy thing I've ever heard. My God, can you imagine what that guy sounds like actually having sex? He's probably one of those whimpery guys who tries to talk dirty, but everything just sounds like a whiny question. And his skin is so <laughs> overly moisturized, it's all sticky and soft, like room temperature duck meat.
3: Room temperature duck meat.
1: <laughs> Way to go. That's really, only Storm would ever come up with something. hideous, a completely, like, apt phrase like that. Signed, Ugg, Storm. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, with the ministry. It's stick summer sausage. Well, that's something good. Please don't do that. Is this I Adore Me More?
2: Why do you ask questions you know the answers to? Who's this lady?
1: Because I like to pretend that I don't know this music as well as I do. God, this song sucked.
2: They were huge. They had so many mm. hits. Well, But the many. thing is, like these
1: are, you know they have a greatest hits album out?
2: And I can't
1: possibly imagine what would be on it other than this and and I want to sex you up.
2: Wasn't there? There was another one too.
1: I'm sure, maybe. It's like how young MC has a greatest hits album out. I mean, what? Do you remember how there was a, somebody pointed out, remember there was a radio friendly version of this? There was like a clean version called I want to love you up. Oh. Oh yeah.
2: I remember.
1: At the Ministry of Truth, he wants to news you up. He's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is
4: Tim Riley.
3: Now, just because we don't have snow here, Portland downtown, the usual high places too. For instance, Highway 6 is closed between mileposts 34 and 36, as they work to clear several weather-related accidents. Say, if you wanted to go to banks today, why not put it off till tomorrow? That might be a better day for it. Then just to confuse you folks in the couve, you're reminded that fireworks are illegal, at least for the New Year's Eve, in New Year's. You see, the Vancouver City Council changed the law. Fireworks may only be legally discharged in the coup from June 28th through July 5th. Wait, why All are the they... times?
1: All oh, because of New Year's.
3: Well, it, you know, they try to make things difficult, like you're supposed to remember these dates. Yeah, it, it's like my garbage company. I'm supposed to remember what dates to throw out tin cans and cardboard because they don't pick them up every week. Well, I mix everything together. You guys can.
1: Oh no, it. me too. I you know what? I don't care about
3: the environment if you're going to make it difficult.
1: No, and you know it's it's like they put those uh, pick that, out, Gore. <laughs> they put those the various like when I have like a yellow plastic tub or something and like a. Like a brown plastic trash can, and then like a regular metal. You know what? To me, they're all just trash cans. Left-wingers
3: you, and do-gooders. Yeah, when, written.
1: when you give me like some green plastic tub with hinges on it, you know what that is? You just give me another trash can. Yeah. That's all it is. I don't bother. I don't sort. I don't stack. I don't organize. I don't separate. I don't care. I spindle, fold, bend, staple, and mutilate at every opportunity.
3: If fish are stupid enough to choke on plastic bags, then so be
1: it. Well, smarter fish will evolve. That's true. I mean, really, that's exactly what we—that's what we need here.
3: Well, that's all I have for now. I'm not going to promise any more snow because it's probably wrong. You're not going to promise snow at 10:14 p.m. No, I'm not. I'll come back tomorrow with more prognostications that never come true.
1: You just said prognostications. I am. Look at Excellent. you. Well done. All right. I'm trying to find "I Want to Love You Up." It's not on YouTube. Uh,
2: I found another Color Me Bad song.
1: Real? Really?
2: Of course. Why? Right. Okay. Do you know this one? Remember when? No. I hear a projector.
1: Oh God! Are they? Is this a video where they're watching home movies? Sam Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Yeah, we only have a
2: few minutes. Let's just play "Color Me Bad" songs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because that's what everybody's clamoring for. And then let's let's play a dental drill over and over again. That's okay. I'm busy trying to find "I Want to Love You Up" for no reason. I don't even know this song.
2: Oh, it looks like an updated one. They look like they're wearing late 90s gear. This is probably their... Um...
1: They were in cross colors?
2: No, that was during this time.
8: Nothing could be hard.
2: This is like their Dirty Dog album. Oh, God.
1: Really? Did you just make that reference?
2: I really did. You know why I love it? Because you know what I'm talking about. Oh,
1: I do. I can pretend that I don't get your obscure New Kids on the Block references, but I get every one of them.
2: I'm only getting...
1: Boy, this is terrible. Better
2: find I Want to Love You Up.
10: Uh-huh. Maybe time will help you see
2: yeah, I can't...
1: I can't find the uh, the clean version of I Want to Sex You Up. Oh, there's a remix. Oh. And, and there's an extended mix. Who would possibly need an extended <laughs> mix?
2: just isn't enough.
1: Yeah, the extent of it's much longer by a whole minute and a half Jesus let's see is there a remix hold on let me see if I can get this remix of I want to I want to sex you up to play it's not labeled explicit so let's hope that it's radio friendly this is the most this is the biggest waste of technology right now this
2: This doesn't sound promising. No, turning it off right now. <laughs> do Wait, that. let me
1: do. Let me do another one. Wait, let's. Is what
2: I want to love you up?
1: Yeah, I can't find Wait, it. Wait, did you?
2: Uh, I want to sex Let's you play the up, um, censored.
1: This is the smoothed out version. Oh God, really?
2: That girl is
1: poison. My generation is full of shame. My generation created so much bad music. That's right. (laughs) You are a (laughs) tar. Let's take an already interminable song and make it even more excruciating. Is
2: this just instrumental, Rick?
1: Who would clamor for this? I I don't know. Like, you're asking me like I know. Like, I'm really familiar with the, quote, smoothed out version. Oh, in your face. There's some singing. Why am I doing this? To myself and to the audience. I don't know. No. All right. You know what I do have to play here. Uh, wait. God, how how long? The
2: never stops. How, what?
1: How long? Is, how long do we have before we have to break? Do we have a couple minutes?
2: Um. Yeah, we have a couple, and then we got to go. Let's
1: see. Uh. All right. Hold on. I have something even worse. I found
2: Colour- I found I adore Mia more in Spanish.
1: Really? Isn't I adore Mia more already Spanish? Is it? Isn't? But I mean. Well, no, the
2: title. I don't know. Honestly, honestly is that it? isn't that Spanish. Wow. I don't remember it being Finnish.
1: I don't know. Okay, I've got something worse. Who wants to hear a tribute song to Lacey Peterson? I don't know. Your mouth says no, but your eyes say yes. This is called Remembering Lacey. By John Strand. Really? On the Rick Emerson Show.
5: Remembering, Lacey, how her smile would make you smile. Remembering, Lacey, how she loved, there's no denial. Now the angels hold her gently, and little Connor's with her too. And she smiles and says, we're all right, and we send our love to you. (laughs)
8: Oh, hold that note.
5: So full of life and happiness was pretty Lacey's life. With little Connor on the way, just made things seem so right. Still the two of them together from the start to heaven's door. And she smiles and says, we love you to the one she's loved before.
1: We have to break? Yeah. Okay. I feel so sorry for anybody listening who has perfect pitch. That must be like having ten penny nails driven into your eardrums. Let's break, shall we? I'm from downtown. Let's break, shall we? <laughs> Let's break, shall we? <laughs> <laughs>
5: The tears that fell made flowers bloom on earth in heaven, too. And little Connor runs and picks them. Mama, these for you. Now the angels are preparing special tributes from afar. As you gaze into the heavens, look, the Lacey Connor star. We have to play
1: this again tomorrow, for it's Tim. It's not
5: fair that Tim Remembering Lacey, how her smile would make you smile. There's another minute
1: left.
5: Remembering Lacey. Sadly, we'll have to do the rest tomorrow. And she loves, there's no denial. Now the angels hold oh. her gently, and little Connor's with her too. And she smiles and says, We're all right, and we send our love to you.
1: That really hurts. Oh. And we send our love. Oh, I hope to do the rest tomorrow. All right. We want to thank seeing the radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Join us tomorrow when we will have Aaron Geek in the city, Duran, with us. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970. Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Jim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Podcasting and imaging is Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio uh, marketing guru uh, is uh, Susan Reynolds. Uh, let's see. Uh, like us next. Like us 101 at 5. Donna Mike at 7. Uh, see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Watch out for snakes. Don't let the bastards ready down. Bye now.
8: I've had a worse breath than a pedophile or a murderer